All right, let's see if I get the date of this show right today. I think the whole show yesterday, I was on a different day. <laughs> Somehow we went out and I thought it was a different day. Well, I think it's the 19th of December, 2023, when we're cranking it up for uh, health, freedom, and healing liberty today. Uh, we've got to talk about the simple act of breathing. You know how wonderful it is to breathe? Oh, my gosh. But it could be considered a crime against the planet. I kid you not. And we'll go to some of those studies. Uh, we also are going to be talking with Dr. Sheila Fury, Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance. She's also a friend and, and uh, supporter of our good friend, Jonathan E. Moore. They've got a big event coming up mid-January. We'll tell you about health freedom event. Why don't people know it's all about just the freedom to choose the kind of health care you want? It's not that difficult, is it? Uh, in hour two, why are we in the middle of an obesity epidemic? Somebody is positing something you're just going to have to wait till we get there. I can almost not say it. It's just so ridiculous, I think. We got that coming up. Also, uh, Kristen Christie's got a story to tell. KristenChristieCares.com. She's been through a lot in her life. Another inspiration story of health and healing and empowerment. We've got the homeopathic remedy today. And what is it going to be? It relates to a lot of glandular and throat issues. Not exclusively that, but that's where we're going to go. And let's see. Do doctors care about what you say or think as a patient? There's that and a whole lot more. Come on over to robertscabell.com slash listen. Check out the chat room. Say hellos. Tell us where you're listening or watching from. And we'll get ready to start this healing party right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, The Robert Scott Bell Show. Oh, deep breath, everyone. Deep breath while it's still legal. <sighs> the Robert Scott Bell Show is on. We got a, a great couple hours of broadcast healing for you and uh, also plenty of archives if you're just catching up. I've been doing this since 24, almost the end of 24 years of broadcast healing. Uh, cranking up in 2024, be the beginning of my 25th year, quarter century of broadcast healing, the best kept secret in health talk media, unless and until you guys share the show. Then maybe we'll not such a good secret anymore. Uh, but I'm glad you're here with me. We got a great show lined up. Super Don making it sound so good. Let me just give you the overview uh, after we learn about the danger of breathing, not to yourself or me or, but, you know, other people. But I guess uh, there are some people that think you breathing is a is a problem. Uh, uh, Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance. Dr. Sheila Fury is going to be joining us in hour one, and she's a good friend to Jonathan E. Moore at a big event coming up in January in Richmond, Virginia. We're going to tell you about also her, her backstory, why she does what she does for health freedom. And Kristen Christie, KristenChristieCares.com. We're going to cover a lot of her backstory and history and over, overcoming a lot. Very inspirational story. We've got a homeopathic hit of the day related to some throat and glandular issues and a whole lot more. If you guys want to chime in in the chat room, say hi, tell us where you're uh, listening in from. And uh, if you have a question coming in live on the air, that's fine. Or you can leave us a message at 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. And uh, we'll let you know more about what's happening. So first things first, breathing. I like it. I think you like it. I know I was congested much of my young life because I was the poster boy for every allergy known to man. I was raised pharmaceutically. My uncle was a medical doctor. My dad was in the pharmaceutical industry. And in fact, my uncle, the doctor said, hey, go see my buddy in Florida when we moved to Florida as a kid. 
he's an allergist. He'll take care of you. Poked a lot of holes in my back and every one of them pretty much said, you're allergic to everything. Started over the counter prescription medications and 10 years of allergy injections, none of which did anything to address the underlying reason why I was allergic, which we learned later. I learned later liver toxicity, liver congestion, gastrointestinal inflammation, leaky gut, microbiome issues, poor assimilation, nutrient mineral deficiencies, et cetera, and toxicological burdens. All of these things playing themselves out in various inflammatory responses by my immune system that were aberrant or over uh, overreactions to normally occurring things within the environment. So breathing was something I, well, I do appreciate it because it wasn't always easy. Borderline asthmatic through my young life. Now, without allergies and with clarity of uh, the, the flow of oxygen air through my uh, uh, nose holes, sometimes if I'm a mouth breather, yeah, <laughs> through there to get into the lungs to oxygenate my body. And then, of course, the exhalation being CO2 and maybe some other things when your liver and kidneys are congested, they'll throw into the lungs to compensate for lack of excretory function through the normal metabolic pathways. So, all right, you got the breathing down? You got that good? Now I'm doing nitric oxide support with Cardio Miracle as well, enhancing oxygen flow and delivery as well to uh, be able to run circles around people much younger than me, including myself when I was much younger. I'm running circles around that kid too. So breathing, is it going to be made illegal? Are we going to be on a timer? You're only allowed to breathe between this time and this time or odd days and even days. We're going to break it up because... All of you humans out there breathing are a big problem for the planet. Yep. According to this article, a study, they have concluded that humans are fueling global warming by just breathing. Never mind flatulence. The cows got that, but some humans do too. But there's no discussion of that. You can toot all you want. Just don't breathe. Who wants to breathe the toots anyway, right? For the study, the researchers investigated emissions of methane and nitrous oxide, not nitric, but nitrous oxide in human breath from 104 adult volunteers in the United Kingdom. And from that, they extrapolate that all humans must reduce their breathing at once or else. I don't know what they're going to do about this. This was published in the journal PLOS1. Uh, they explained methane, methane and nitrous oxide in the air. We exhale, makes up to... 0.1% of the UK, we're talking, for those of you on UK Health Radio, hold your breath. Don't breathe until I tell you. Obviously, I'm just kidding. Breathe, breathe. <laughs> UK contributing to 0.1% of UK's greenhouse gas emissions. Oh, so they, here they do. Once you factor in the, 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 the inadvertent gaseous emissions from lower down, <laughs> and burps it becomes clear you just human. did some serious gymnastics and not say fart is that, is that well, are we not I'm allowed to say to fart this, on this show i'm trying to keep this above board are you, you know, self-censoring yourself there well see you don't know what you're going to get banned for nowadays you know <laughs> you could say that and they're like oh he's out of here you know we've yes. been deplatformed on youtube who knows if they don't like the, the gaseous admissions and other odoriferous emanations from down there. Emanations, yes, yeah so according to this it becomes clear that Humans are fueling global warming by just exhaling. Now, I got a question for you, Super Don. Maybe you, you've got this answered already. We've, we've kind of discussed this. We learned this about how plants breathe and how they need something critical that we Carbon dioxide. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so explain to me how the exhalation of CO2 is dangerous to life on planet Earth because of something they call warming. 
Well, now they're talking about, what do they say? Methane and nitrous yeah. oxide? Methane and nitrous oxide, yeah. yeah. Contributes up to 0.1%. Right. You know, there were people breathing on this planet long before these numbnuts uh, scientists were around to do any studies. Um, I just, it just doesn't, I, I, this is one of the more ridiculous things I think I've ever heard. But what about, the, what are we supposed to do about that? Well, seriously, it's like I said, hold your breath, breathe less. What about the animals? No discussion of animals. Do they not breathe? They, they do. Are they not a problem? They do. So, you know, should you be thanking hunters for culling the herds out there? I mean, breathing out the CO2, it means more plant life, which means more animal life, more human life. I think these people that are promoting this agenda hate humans. They just hate people. I mean, but again, what, what's the solution here? Oh, people breathing is causing climate change. I mean, what yeah. are we supposed to do? You and I were talking before the show and, and you re, you reminded me of that that movie, Apollo 13, which was a great movie. Yeah. Uh, and how they had to to insert the the square uh, well, they had to, CO2 scrubbers into correct. the round hole on the, you know, like they that. Had to so rig it up or else do we have die. the technology today where you could put like portable uh, methane nitrous oxide scrubbers on people's faces or something like masks or something. Right. To, to scare now them. you're thinking about the next growth industry, right? Yeah. You, can, you know, masks that, 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 that filter out CO2 when you exhale, of yeah. course, all the plants are going to die when you don't give them the CO2, but Hey, who cares? We don't care about plants either. I mean, these people are sick. They're sick in the head. They're promoting this. I mean, what is the, what is the obvious conclusion? If humans are contributing to the demise of the planet or the, or life on it, they're arguing that there should be fewer of us on it, but they never volunteer to leave, do they? No. That's true. The ones spaceship. that are complaining, they want everybody else to leave. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, you know, one thing we could do, uh, if you remember way back in the day when global warming, it was it used to be global warming. Now it's climate change. That well, way it can that, incorporate global, everything, right? Super Don, you're, you're old enough to remember when it was global cooling in the 70s. It was the ice age that was coming. I mean, we're going to have acid rain. Remember that? I yep. mean, it was just all this stuff. So now they've just called it climate change. And and if you remember years ago, um, one of the things that came actually it was Al Gore that came up with the idea of carbon credits. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. The carbon uh, credit trading scheme. Right. So, then, yeah. Uh, could you imagine, imagine if, you know, Al Gore. What the heck? Al Gore showed up and, and yeah. he came up with an idea. Let's in, carbon credits are old and busted. Right. Yeah. How about uh, breath credits? Breath credits. You could do breath credits. Could you imagine just for a moment what a like a like a, a, a PSA, like a radio PSA by Al Gore trying to promote breath credits. I wonder what that would sound like. Hello there, I'm Al Gore, and I'm here to talk about something that's gonna blow your mind and maybe save the planet too. Introducing the latest and greatest in environmental innovation, breath credits. That's right, folks, we're putting a cap on the free air market. Each day, you get a set number of breath credits. Use them wisely, because if you run out, well, You'll just have to hold your breath until tomorrow. But here's the fun part. If you're feeling a bit breath rich, you can buy extra credits. Imagine that, breathing like a billionaire. And for the more economically breath challenged, get ready to get creative. Ever tried talking in half breaths? Or how about breathing in Morse code? It's all the rage. And for those special occasions, we've got luxury breath packages. Want to sigh dramatically? That'll cost you two credits. 
planning to yawn, better check your breath balance first. <laughs> and for the romantics, we're offering a two-for-one deal on gasps of surprise. So remember, with breath credits, every inhale is an investment, and every exhale is an extravagance. Let's breathe our way to a greener future, one carefully rationed breath at a time. This is Al Gore signing off and reminding you, in the world of breath credits, it's not just about how much air you use, but how you use your air. Keep breathing, my friends, but not too much. I think I've uh, used my allotment just laughing during there that advertisement. That was unbelievable. That was that was classic Al Gore, right? Al never, Gore. never to miss an opportunity. That's the new <sighs> thing now. Al like Gore it. intelligence. Yeah, the carbon credit uh, credit schemes was basically wealthy polluting uh, multinational corporations with no allegiance to any nation or state could pay certain taxes and they could pollute whatever you want. Small family businesses couldn't afford that, so they'd be put out of business. Uh, in the same way, you know, this is um, collectivism. It is a, a form of communism, basically, to do that, to direct you to not be allowed to breathe except for a certain amount. And you, you can pay for special extra options there. They'll make a good sci-fi movie there, Superdome. That was, may I say, freaking brilliant. That was, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, totally enjoyed that. So if you guys missed it, this is... This is something you're going to have to read. That's, a, that's a Robert Scott that. Bell show exclusive right there. That's a keeper. Yeah. Al Gore uh, giving you opportunities for breath credits. I want Maybe they have breath mints to neutralize CO2 as well. I don't know. All the kind of innovations that would happen in a free market. Of course, it, it would never well, it would never really fly. But I can't admit. I mean, this is just another one of those examples where somebody's trying to find something else that we can blame the humans on mm -hmm. for climate change, which it's just really breathing. Yeah. People don't have a choice. I mean, it'd be like like blinking, right? Oh, blinking! It causes air pollution when you blink, or you know, daydreaming. It oh, it you know, you, you, the heat from daydreaming is warming the planet. I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? You can't you can't stop people from breathing. Well, the uh, the brilliance of the AI Al Gore there that advertisement is that is indeed how it works. The wealthy would would have access to all of the resources, and everybody else is made poor through the global warming schemes. In the same way, you played it out through the uh, breath, uh, you know, the breath control, if you will, <laughs> centralized breath control. Uh, it's never about actually helping people or the planet or the animals on it. It's about how do we lock down the resources and limit your access to them? And then we get everything. The people that are in the club that George Carlin talked about that you and I ain't in. Uh, and uh, continues on. So that's a that's a keeper. That's a that's another classic Super Don here on the Robert Scab Bell Show. So we'll have to play that again, maybe in bonus round. It's so good. We'll play that All for right. Jonathan on Thursday. He'll get it. Yeah, he'll like he'll like that. that. So speaking of Jonathan Emord, he'll be at an event on January fifteenth in Richmond, Virginia, sponsored by the Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance. Who's the inspiration behind that? And we have it linked up in the show notes, as you can see here at robertscabbell.com. It is none other than Dr. Sheila Fury. And I, I think that's the most awesome name, Dr. Sheila Fury. I mean, obviously, since Nick Fury came along, you've gotten more famous. And welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. Well, glad to have you on board. And uh, it, well, let me just ask you about the last name Fury. What's the origin of that name, uh, history lineage in your family? Um, it is Irish. It used to be O Fury. And my grandfather dropped the O because of uh, prejudices against the Irish people when they immigrated. And so that was the origin. And, uh, but it, I live up to the name. 
of the clan fury uh that's awesome now i was a belitsky until my ancestors came from poland uh, at least some of them and they got chopped off at the statue of liberty and it became bell and i became an all-american bell uh, a couple of generations ago here as well so i understand the changing of the the names here in in the united states over time uh you have established this uh wonderful organization virginia medical freedom alliance and we've talked about uh, you know the fundamental starting and ending point of the robert scott bell show is freedom it's our fundamental right to the bodily autonomy, to care for ourselves, to choose the kind of health care we want, medical or otherwise. And the government has no role or business telling us what we can or cannot put into our bodies in terms of our health care. That's something that was lost and make, made more obvious in that loss during COVID. Did, were you aware of these the, 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 the freedom issue before COVID hit? Tell me how far back this goes for you. Well, I must say I began in being enlightened over 20 years ago. And my first enlightenment came with vitamin D. So as a psychiatrist, I understood and found out very quickly, you know, those who are suffering from seasonal affective disorder, they may in fact just be suffering from vitamin D deficiency. And that if we look closely at that and replace vitamin D, vitamin B12, things like that that the body needs, Often their symptoms of depression, anxiety, fatigue, thought, uh, a delay would all improve if their brain was working better. And so that was my entrance into alternative medicine and not buying all of the psychopharm propaganda that was being shoved down our throat at every moment. You must have been on somebody's radar screen then because... The establishment doesn't like doctors who don't toe the party line, as you know that. And we talk about psychopharmacology as well. If we look at the DMV, uh, no, I say DMV, it's the, it's the what's the biblical thing for DSM? the uh, DSM? <laughs> I'm thinking of the Department of Motor Vehicles. I got to I got to visit there. But the DSM, the various versions of it, you know, when they talk about all of these um, diagnoses, these names that they give to psychological issues, emotional issues, etc. As far as I know, they've still not come up with one blood test, saliva test, urine test, stool analysis, hair test to validate in some way like a urine analysis says, oh, my gosh, look what's growing in the, you know, there's an infection here that we have validate that we need something like that. So there's a lot of controversy in the realm of psychiatry. And I and I've you know said this, it's like if they would just look at nutrition like you've just pointed out and how that impacts behavior, you know, our reaction to the world around us, including microbiome stuff now that we know. Absolutely. I think the gut microbiome and the leaky gut is really important, and particularly for children, because as we vaccinate, 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 and we tell parents that this is essential to life and the well-being of their children, and yet their children are sicker and sicker and have more anxiety, more depression, more obsessive compulsive disorders. And again, we reach out to psychopharmacology. And so we're just making the pharmacology and the vaccine manufacturers wealthy and the, the welfare of our children is going down the toilet. And so we must, absolutely must look at alternatives. We must look at everything that's going in to our children's body and particularly their diet. If we feed them junk food all day, their brain will never work. And that if we you know, also just put them in, from, in front of a, a computer 
and say that's how you experience life rather than getting outside and playing in the dirt and touching things and running and falling down and getting back up. Mm-hmm. The harm that is being caused to our children is insurmountable at this point. And I think it's time for parents to really wake up and get back to our roots and not buy the propaganda that is fed to us every day from the mainstream media. Dr. Sheila Fury couldn't agree more. Uh, when we talk about, again, the controversy of named psychiatric disorders, I think I want to come up with one for people that are fueling the anxiety and fear associated with breathing. As we opened up the show, it's like, how much breath work could be of benefit to people who are in anxious states? I mean, my gosh, the simple act of going, all right, slow down, deep breath, and finding that your your whole body system shifts from an anxious place to a calm place, and yet they're trying to make us be afraid of the very life-sustaining functions that are typically autonomic. <laughs> you know, now we got to worry if I'm killing somebody because I'm breathing. This is happening, of course, with COVID that they taught kids that if they breathe, their grandma would die. Correct. And so one of the things I do for in particular for my patients who have anxieties, I teach them the Wim Hof method of breathing. All right. Mm-hmm. And so I do other you know, wonderful things that help center people, slow their breathing down. But when you put a mask on a child in particular, all right, they not only do you slow and disrupt their normal uh, rhythm of breathing, but you also introduce to them bacteria as it builds up on the inside of that mask. And so not only are they disrupting their breathing pattern, but they're introducing into their lungs bacteria that doesn't need to be there, all right? We're making them mouth breathers instead of nose breathers. And so just simple, and the, just think of the anxiety, the depression, the migraine headaches, all of the side effects that are caused because they're wearing a mask. And it's, they're teaching them not to be free. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a psyops of how do we control you and you are the minions and you must do what the elites say. And this is the exact opposite of what everyone in the healthcare field should be doing. We should be promoting health freedom and not a bureaucratic a nightmare that we've that has happened with COVID. And, and you as a physician have no, as far as I know, opposition for freedom to choose things like natural medicine, naturopathy, homeopathy, or herbalism, things that are not taught in Flexner Report curricula in medical school. Correct. We need to be absolutely open. If we think it's a one size fits all, we are losing. And more importantly, our patients are losing. And it's critical that we listen to our patients. And I'll give you one example of this. I evaluated a patient who said, I can't breathe. And the doctor, I've been to the emergency room four times. And, you know, when I he's sitting up, I'm telling him about Um, listening to his story, his pulse oxygen was 95 when he was sitting up. And I said to him, you know, let's just see what happens when you lay down. And he reclined on the sofa in my office because I'm a psychiatrist Hmm. and his oxygen immediately dropped to 80. Hmm. This man was struggling significantly. But in the four ER visits prior to his psychiatric visit, because this was all in his head, uh, nobody could figure that out. 
And so this is really important for doctors, nurses, the establishment to understand who is the patient Mm -hmm. and that our duty and obligation is to the patient. It isn't to the pharmaceutical companies. It isn't to the hospital system. It is to our patients. Can you go back to that one patient? Because people might be interested to learn how in the ER they couldn't figure this out. Somebody comes to see you and you say, all right, here's your uh, pulse ox. We got a level. Now lay down and breathe. Let's see what happens. Uh, What was it that stimulated that thought in you that was not considered by the ER docs? He was saying, I can't sleep at night and I'm so anxious that I pace all of the time. And I thought, well, something must happen when he tries to sleep at night. And most of us don't sleep vertically. We sleep horizontally. So I had him lay down and simulate what happens when he sleeps. And it was immediate. And did you find any uh, physiological blockages or differences in terms of the posture being down versus up that contributed to that lack of oxygen or breathing ability? Well, he had been suffering from vaccine injury as well as long COVID. And so he probably had microvascular clots in his lungs. And so after addressing those issues and working with other physicians to address those issues, um, he has recovered fully. Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful, Dr. Sheila Fury. I'm so glad you shared that with with, uh, my audience here, with me as well. Um, There's another thing in the history of uh, psychiatry, uh, particularly with the dawn of selective serotonin reuptake inhibiting drugs, what happened. You know, there was no, as I mentioned, there was no blood test or actual chemical analysis of the brain and nervous system to determine that this drug would be appropriate for anyone. But we also see at the emer- the emergence as well of uh, the the random shootings, the school shootings, particularly among young people. And I posited that as we we've, we've talked earlier, and you you already mentioned about diet issues of these young people being fed garbage, basically junk food. That there was a lot of things like hypoglycemia present in these children. That when the higher brain function is starved of nutrients, you turn into an animal animal brain. And then the little kid, they would always say, "Well, he was such a sweet kid. He knew right from wrong. What happened? They don't know." But when you have no oxygen and nutrition come into the brain, then suddenly, the, you know, the, 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 the animal brain takes over and they, they do these wild and crazy things, maybe instigated by other things as well. But the field of psychiatry was, lo- was loath and maybe still is outside of you and a few others, Dr. Peter Bregan, to point out that these drugs may be instigating behaviors that could have been corrected nutritionally, for instance. Absolutely. I think nutrition is key, in particular fat because we had, you know, when I grew up, fat was, you know, the worst thing on the planet. And fat is essential for the brain. And in these kids' diets, many of them don't have enough fat in their diet at all. But in addition to this, one of the key things in in looking at diet nutrition is also the high percentage of our children who are learning disabled. And they have areas of cognitive weakness, and those are never addressed in the school systems. And we have to look at the brain as neuroplastic and being able to say, if you have an area of weakness, we are not going to put a Band-Aid over it and say it really doesn't exist or that's the way you're always going to be. We can actually do targeted brain exercises for those children 
and develop those brain, those areas of the brain that have weakness. And this way, children can have strength in their brain, strength in cognitive functioning, and no longer need the drugs psychopharm that we're pushing into them. Are you welcome at psychiatric medical uh, conferences? Because I'm thinking the big pharma typically sponsors those and uh, they would like, uh, no, don't invite her because uh, she's not going to promote the agenda we have. I am probably most not welcome. Yes. <laughs> Persona I, fig- <laughs> I figure there might be, although the uh, Association for American Physicians and Surgeons, ASA, AAPS Online, com. It's a great group of physicians that don't take pharmaceutical money and they would be, if you're not already participating with them, open and welcoming you with, you know, open arms. They are a great group and every physician should be long to them. And we need to expand physicians uh, throughout Virginia and throughout the country to allow them the opportunity to learn and that not to fear um, going outside the system that we have power and we have power in number if we would just recognize that because mm-hmm. the administrators of the hospitals would be nothing if we walked out in mass. You're right. Uh, yesterday we covered a story from the, uh, associate was it American association of pediatrics, AAP, and they were promoting for obesity in, in children, even younger than five years of age, bariatric surgery and Ozempic. But like, did you did you graduate medical school? You you want to do what to children? And this is the same organization that is promoting gender reassignment surgeries. Uh, you know, again, you, you probably deal with this. You know, in the field of psychiatry, it's like when did when we were growing up in our our generation did we have such a, a preponderance of confusion about gender? Uh, where did this come from? This was not. Is this coming up through medical school? Tell me a little bit about what you see here. Well, it is infiltrated the medical system and it is horrific. I mean, we are literally sacrificing and mutilating our children. And that's what this bariatric surgery is. We're not looking at alternatives. We're not looking at the fundamental issues. And when it comes to gender, it's all created for money. And we are sexualizing our children at an developmentally inappropriate ages. And we're saying that this is okay. You know, when we, that the the establishment medical community is making billions of dollars off of hormone blockers, you know, giving hormones, cross-gender hormones, the surgeries, and this makes lifetime patients It doesn't empower patients. It makes them lifelong committed to the system where you have to um, give the drugs every day, every month, whatever the routine is in order to have some sort of semblance of a life. And the fact that the medical establishment says that these are proven techniques is like saying frontal lobotomy is the answer for those with schizophrenia. This is absolutely criminal. Yeah, and our friend Jonathan Emord has been fighting against the the reemergence of electroshock therapy as well. 
uh, as a uh, you know accepted form of torture. Actually, I mean, I don't think it has a legitimate place in medicine. Maybe there is one. I don't know it. But how much of the things you're talking about with me today on this show did you learn in your medical school curricula? Because it sounds like you went well out of <laughs> where they said, here's the narrow confine we want you to live in. And and where did you get all of this information? Because I don't know that it was in your medical school. I mean, I learned the basics in medical school, but that for most people, and this is not what they're taught today. All right. So I was actually taught how important it was to listen to the patient and when you got hit a roadblock, you always went back to the patient and reviewed the history, reviewed the physical. You were looking and taking your guidance from there as well as history. This is not what's taught. What's taught now is follow the protocol. Follow the protocol and you won't be sued. And this is the, the foundation that is so harmful to physicians across the country and around the world. And I, you know, very early on, you know, the end of the, you know, as my daughter says, the 1900s, um, early 2000s, I began to question things and saying, you know, for my own particularly child psychiatry place, patients and saying, what am I doing? And is it really helpful? Hmm. And can there be and is there an alternative way? And I've been able to find that. Yeah, you have something that I don't see often in, in, in your profession. I wish I could say it more often, but it's called integrity and uh, intellectual, uh, let's say, honesty about things as well. And the willingness to maintain an open mind that, that we had. We don't stop learning when we leave school. In fact, that's where it really begins in clinical practice to observe these things and call into question the things even we were taught because so much of it ends up being wrong. And uh, if you read the peer-reviewed medical literature, some of it's good, a lot of it's not. But sometimes you can get uh, some really powerful insights that often are decades ahead of where we get to consensus, right? Science by consensus, which is belief, right? It's not, uh, you know, objective reality necessarily. We can get into uh, discussions about that, but I very much appreciate what you're bringing uh, to the people that come to see you and seek you out for help, as well as my audience here and with Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance. And I'm on the uh, the front page. I'm looking at it right now. If you guys check it out, VAMFA, V-A-M-F-A dot org, and you'll see a lot of great articles here on medical freedom, uh, including one that says central bank digital currency, CBDCs, and why it's a threat to your financial security, much less every other form of freedom that you have. Uh, there's a lot of great articles here that you're covering. I don't know if you're writing them all, but boy, you must be very busy if you are. <laughs> it looks like great, great opportunities to learn a lot uh, in addition to the freedom that we're going to discuss more with you on the or within the organization. So we have a really profound team of uh, volunteers who work diligently to present all of this material. So, all right, so you we got are a hundred percent volunteer organization, and we do that because we want people throughout Virginia, throughout the United States, to have medical choice. Are you is is this organization able to make endorsements or or not? Because uh, obviously, I, I, we have a good friend I want to talk to you about, and I want to find out your backstory, how you connected with Jonathan Emord. Uh, because I'm not able to endorse. 
not as an organization, but only as an individual separate from it. I get it. Yeah. Okay. So I want to respect that as well, but also uh, acknowledge that your event on January the 15th, uh, a big health freedom event in Richmond, Virginia, uh, Jonathan Emord will be one of the featured speakers among many. Some of our friends uh, like uh, Dr. Paul Thomas and James Lyons-Weiler, we know, uh, looks like a ter- terrific uh, event that I'm encouraging anybody nearby Richmond, Virginia, or is willing to take a ride in somehow to be there for this January 15th event. Tell me about what it's all about and uh, what uh, I guess is going on in, you know, as far as health freedom in Virginia specifically. So we wanted to give patients people throughout the state, the opportunity to understand what they're not being told by the mainstream media and particularly the Virginia Department of Health. So we start off the day by looking at COVID and the risk of COVID versus the vaccine, particularly as the Virginia Department of Health continues to promote these toxic shots to six-month-old children and pregnant women and not looking at the rate of miscarriage, stillbirth, and birth defects that are occurring not looking at the rate of myocarditis and pericarditis. It's very disturbing that when you turn on the news, you get safe and effective and jump in to get your next booster. We're following that with Dr. Paul Thomas, who has a long history of talking about vaccines, as well as James Lyons-Weiler. We're going to talk about the dangers of 5G and electromagnetic radiation, what is happening with censorship, and then the WHO, and most importantly for parents who have children in school, what is going to happen if every school has a school-based health center and how that is going to take away parental rights? We are going to follow the money in healthcare And so you can see the tyranny from within just following the money. And then we have the pleasure of having our keynote speaker is Christine Dolan, who will be talking about sex trafficking around the world, but within the United States and the the poor programs that are set up um, to so-called help with sex trafficking. In fact, are doing just the opposite. And it's we, really criminal what is going on. We've talked to this about Jonathan, uh, from Jonathan E. Mort. He said, you know, he has a client, in fact, uh, there's, that was hor- horrifically uh, assaulted, raped. And this goes into some of the transgender issues or the proclamation that uh, a boy could be a girl and just start accessing the girls' locker rooms in high schools and what what inevitably ensues. Uh, this uh uh, this some this is something that should be I would think nonpartisan that would cross all of the you know so-called divisions between right and left however artificial or real they may be uh, is this something that is drawing from both sides of the political spectrum this event you think I hope so and we have invited every one of the senators and delegates uh, from the general assembly to this event we've invited the uh, director of the board of medicine. We would like the members of the Virginia Department of Health to come also, as well as the legislative, um, the executive branch, the governor, lieutenant governor, and particularly the attorney general, because this is a very important speaker and we need to hear the truth. 
And uh, Christine Dolan has spoken nationally, internationally, to Parliament, the EU, before Congress, the FBI. So this is not what we're hearing in the mainstream media. It is not what we're hearing from the Polaris Project, which is what was recommended for continuing medical education for physicians. Hmm. And we need to hear the truth, and we're not getting it from the establishment. Oh, not at all. Now, when when did you meet uh, Jonathan E. Mort over the years that you've been in Virginia? You, he's there for many years as well. Is this recently or over the years you've been doing a lot of health freedom? When I became active in the health freedom movement, I met Jonathan E. Mort then. Okay, cool. Well, like you said, there's a guy that's been dedicated to defending individual liberty, and he's taken on at the highest levels through the court system uh, some of the regulators that have been captured by uh, pharmaceutical and other agencies or industries, let me say, uh, to the detriment of the freedom to choose, for instance, uh, natural remedies, much less even experimental medical ones, should you decide to go that route. And he found, and you may know the story already, that even after he beat the FDA back a world record eight times in court, they admitted the FDA said, well, we're never going to honor what the court told us to do anyway. And so that was kind of what stimulated him to go, I got to do better. I got to do more because I don't want to leave this place, uh, you know, more of a slave state for my kids. And so that's why he's decided to run for the United States Senate in Virginia to displace Tim Kaine. Um, your thoughts on some of these issues that he has seen as well uh, in terms of what the people of Virginia can do to help. The people of Virginia need to be able to stand and make health care decisions that promote life. Because what's in danger is not only our children, but the entire life spectrum. Because as you began with the global warming, they don't care about people. Uh, they don't care about the elderly. They don't care. They're, the, the simply if they d define that your value to society as they define it is complete, well, then we're going to just give you the little blue pill. This is what we're up against. We're up against the medical assistance in dying. We're up against uh, the abortion advocates, which want to allow abortion until birth or after birth here in Virginia, where you can decide after your child is born whether or not you're going to allow the child to live. All right. This is the so every aspect of life is being threatened. And we need someone with integrity to stand boldly and say, no, we are going to stand with the sacredness of human life and we are going to protect human life and we are going to stop this Marxist influence into the field of medicine. Beautiful. Uh, Dr. Sheila Fury on your website, uh, vampha.org. It stands for Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance. We have it linked up in the show notes today at robertscatbell.com. Uh, there's options uh, to, to look, select about the issues. Uh, you can take action. There's even a get involved. You can subscribe to the newsletter from you guys as well as volunteer. You said it's all volunteer. Maybe yeah. there are people in this audience right now didn't know about you. Say, hey, how can I help? What kind of things do you need? Uh, maybe in preparation for the event or more, as well as that event coming up January 15th. And in particular, if you can't come to this event because you're a distance away, you can donate money to the event and say, I want to buy tickets for somebody who can't afford to come. 
All right. I'm willing to, right now we have a $25,000 matching campaign to raise funds for this event and for future events so that we can take what we're doing on January 15th around the state so that individual communities can hear the truth and can empower themselves and learn how they can make life-changing decisions for themselves and for their family. Well, Dr. Sheila Fury, I'm so sorry we didn't meet sooner because I really enjoy what you're doing. I appreciate very much what you're doing. It's very much in alignment with what we do here. And in the spirit of uh, collegiality between all the healing professions, we do better when we cooperate, when we work together in freedom by choice to help those that we've dedicated and sworn our lives to, to help, uh, not through decimating their independent autonomy and their ability to, to decide for themselves what they feel comfortable doing or not, as well as, uh, you know, these centralized bureaucracies that are working very diligently to take away our freedom to make the choices that we, many of which, many of them we've already lost, we're trying to regain. Absolutely. And it, a lot of people say this is all based on money. No, this is based on foundational principles and they don't cost a dime. And further, the minority community, the communities that are financially challenged can do so much for themselves if they were given and presented with tools. And yet the medical establishment talks down to them and fear and and minimizes their plight or minimizes it in the sense that they want to be the authority telling them what to do rather than empowering the individual to make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you're doing the right thing. I'm so grateful to connect with you. Uh, Jonathan Emort spoke very highly of you and I know why. And I appreciate that he'll be there on the stage as well at the rally. Uh, doing good work for the people of Virginia. And uh, my humble opinion is if we can get Jonathan Emore to be the next U.S. Senator from Virginia to displace Tim Kaine, uh, the people of America would all be benefited by having someone dedicated to the Constitution, defense of liberty, individual liberty in there to impact others. Uh, we all have a sphere of influence and some are driven to go places that we don't want to go. But, hey, I want to support those that are willing to go there and uh, and make a better uh, better shift or change for all of us. So thank you, Dr. Sheila Fury. Great to see you. Thank you. All right, everybody check out Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance, VAMFA.org. Linked up to the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. Dr. Sheila Fury is doing great work in support of individual liberty in health and healing. I'm thankful for her. Now, we have a homeopathic hit of the day coming up as well. And I just got to give uh, uh, just super props because I had no idea this was coming. This is Super Don's magic on the Robert Scott Bell show when we talked about the opening article and Dr. Fury mentioned it as well. The lack of concern for your freedom to, to, to exist. Uh, do we not value life? You know, if there are uh, agendas out there and people behind them to allow aborting babies after they're born, that's not an exaggeration. Some people actually want you to have, oh, yeah, you don't like the baby. Oh, yeah, get rid of Really? That's the kind of the craziest things you ever heard. You think no one would do that because. I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. But remember, those entities know that you wouldn't do it. They know you wouldn't support anybody who would do it. But because of that, they run cover and call anybody who would say they want to do it a conspiracy theorist. 
to diminish the harsh reality that you don't want to believe exists. And as much as you would never do it and I would never do it and Superdome would never do it, there are people that would. And we've got to acknowledge that as, as difficult and as ugly as that might be so that we can't, uh, let's say, maybe we can intervene a little bit, interpose, whatever it is, nullify them uh, before they have the total control and power of government to basically select who can breathe and who cannot breathe. Because that's what this is about. That's what it ties into when we open the, sh the show today on a story about global warming associated with breathing. And now Al Gore says, and it's AI Al Gore, artificial intelligence Al Gore. I don't know if we'll get tagged for, for doing that, Super Don, but I want to get that out on social media as well somehow, some way. That, that's worthy of anything the Onion or uh, uh, was it the Babylon Bee do as far as putting things out there. That was, that was something else, my friend. I did not expect. I did not know what was happening, but it was great. So if you missed it, rewind the show or... Play it back later and, and you'll catch it. We might play it again in the bonus round after the show is officially over and we do a little uh, extraneous extra stuff that we get to do that's not necessarily planned for. So with that, uh, let's uh, start with our homeopathic hit of the day. Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Tell you what, these have been fun, the homeopathic hits, haven't they? Uh, there you have the picture of Phytolaca, known as, I called it poke root. Uh, for those of you who know it in, in uh, native kind of herbal medicine, poke root, Phytolaca. It's a great remedy, and uh, we'll go through it. I want to thank Trinity School of Natural Health and Nutritional Frontiers, as well as uh, Bobri at uh, Folium PX, because they make these hits possible, you know, that we do these things. These are not officially, we're not selling any homeopathic remedies here, so when I do this, presentation each day we're not making money off of it it's more or less a service that, that uh, i want to give to you that i was reluctant to do i didn't think you'd be interested but you are and so we're diving headlong into phytolaca today and super don we've got a pdf available for everybody thanks to what you do to make this downloadable for free no charge whatsoever however if you would like to see the video forms of these homeopathic hits those are available exclusively to our Patreon support group. So please uh, consider uh, being part of our Patreon support group as well. Phytolaca, the remedy known for glandular swellings and sore throats. And these hits are not uh, so deep and broad that we can say, I've covered everything in five minutes, but it's to give you a, a kind of an entry level comfort to go in. Hey, what is that Phytolaca? That sounds interesting. What is it? Well, it's often indicated for glandular swelling, sore throat, and even mastitis. Uh, breast inflammation or infection. So let's go. Origin, phytolaca, derived from the phytolaca decandra plant, also known as pokeweed, or I call it poke root. And there's that picture. Look at that. That's the phytolaca plant. Uh, I don't know that you necessarily want to eat it because you might get some of the symptoms we're going to re relieve by using it in a homeopathic form. It's used highly diluted, of course, as a homeopathic, potentially to treat glandular and throat conditions, among other things. So if we go to some of the key characteristics, briefly, physical, We'll talk about phytolaca and its effectiveness in treating glandular swellings. Think about all of the sore throats that were wrongly diagnosed as tonsillitis, or even if it was tonsillitis, the need to remove tonsils uh, would be maybe eliminated with the use of phytolaca. So swollen tonsils and lymph, lymph nodes. Also indicated for mastitis, especially when there's hardness and tenderness. And for sore throats, effective, especially if there's pain radiating to the ears on swallowing. So you have very specific reasons that phytolaca can be used. Now, when we talk about mentally, 
There may be a general state of malaise or fatigue associated with the physical discomforts that are treated by phytolaca. So as we review this, the primary uses, glandular swelling, swollen glands, tonsillitis, lymphadenitis, mastitis used in cases of breast inflammation, particularly if you have this during breastfeeding. I know there are a lot of home remedies and other things that can be used, but how many people don't know that phytolaca is a great homeopathic remedy if you have mastitis and having difficulty with breastfeeding? And of course, sore throat, great remedy for sore throats. Now, potencies, 6X, 10X, 12X, 12C, 30C, whatever. These are considered the lower potencies that are, it doesn't mean that they won't work. In fact, I'll often defer first to them and repeatedly dose as needed until the symptoms come back into a manageable place or space. Now, this doesn't suppress them like allopathic medicine, but it helps the body to normalize or balance whatever was going on so that you no longer need the symptoms, which are basically signs the body is dealing with something or trying to bring something back into balance. If you go into the higher potencies, uh, 200C, uh, 1Ms, 50Ms, please uh, uh, consult a healthcare provider that knows, you know, a homeopath that knows how to work with those remedies. Belladonna is another complementary remedy, often used alongside phytolaca for acute inflammations, especially when there's redness and heat. Bryonia, one of my favorite homeopathic remedies. You've, if you haven't learned yet, you will. I'll, I'll keep coming back to it. Useful for conditions when movement aggravates the pain, complementing phytolaca's action in glandular swellings. But of course, bryonia is a liver polycrest. Anything that helps the liver helps the glands, helps everything. And I add in here lachesis. Uh, this is one of the snake venom remedies. It's a great remedy. I used to use almost as a first resort in many uh, sore throats that I had, not when I was growing up because they were always met with antibiotics and worse, but it's a great adjunct remedy to phytolaca for sore throat and more. So phytolaca as a homeopathic remedy, of course, is safe. Uh, please avoid self-prescribing for very serious conditions. And if things get worse or persist, consult a healthcare provider of your choice. Concluding now the homeopathic hit of the day. Phytolaca, a valuable homeopathic remedy, particularly for treating glandular swellings, mastitis, and sore throat. So if you please keep tuning into the Robert Scabell Show and don't be shy about sharing the show. If you learn some good stuff and you want other people to know, empower them, share the show. And then we can keep doing these homeopathic hits. Once again, this is not to replace your doctor if you have one or want one. This is about information and education so you can make a fully informed decision about how to care for yourself, your loved ones, and others. And again, I'm grateful for the opportunity to bring these homeopathic hits to you each and every day we do a live new show. I don't know how many we've done. I think we're over 50 now, uh, but uh, and counting and cranking it up for health, freedom, and healing liberty. So, Super Don, thanks for uh, bringing that to, uh, you know, being a squeaky wheel. I still am grateful for that as much as I was reluctant. Why was I reluctant? I don't know. I don't know. Just some Trying to get a homeopath to talk about homeopathy is, n- I never thought it would be so hard. Maybe I wanted I, I just, to keep it a secret. I, I just don't understand it. I wanted it to be a secret club and no one else was in it because it's like, uh, they got their club. Why can't I have mine? Your own little <laughs> club of one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that we're sharing these things. So, yeah. and again, Super D, you said you were a, a few days behind on bringing the video clips into the- Yeah, uh, I've got to get caught up on the on the Patreon, but they'll uh, I'll do that here soon. And I want to put out another plea as we're wrapping up the first hour here. If you got skills- and it's not that complicated, I don't believe, to cut out like the five-minute or so segments from the Robert Scott Bell Show to put up uh, for our patron crowd. We'd love to have an intern. And every other intern that's come on the show, some have ended up becoming paid supporters as well. Uh, and others have gone on to careers in the various fields that they've learned the things they can't learn but on the job. 
Uh, so think about that. If you've got somebody that's interested in the broadcast medium, podcast, or other social or digital media stuff, you may want to volunteer some time and help Super Don and me out and uh, may turn into something really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd, I'd be happy to teach you what I know. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Now, uh, coming up in the second hour of the show, um, if there isn't more absurdities in the, in the medical field, um, why are we in the middle of an obesity epidemic? I think many of you already know the answer to that, but somebody at at some kind of study is going to claim it's not that, or if it is that, it really isn't that big a deal. It's the something that happened well before it. I'm like, I'm still scratching my head and figuring it out. So I'm just teasing it with that as an opening. Then we have Kristen Christie from kristenchristiecares.com for the first time on the Robert Scabell Show. And she's got an absolutely inspiring story of overcoming great odds and obstacles. And we love bringing these special souls that are here to teach us, to inspire us, to do greater things as well. And then let's see what else we got at a value. If you go to a doctor, do they care what you have to say? I guess it depends on the kind of doctor. Last, though, this hour, of course, Dr. Sheila Fury cares about what you say. We could get that from her. Mm-hmm. And really, we're going to talk about Barbie dolls, too. Well, you know, science <clears throat> and scientists have nothing to do. I mean, they've yeah. already cured cancer, right? <laughs> uh, and so yeah. a study was done that determined that uh, uh, Dr. Barbie dolls, because, you know, you can get Barbie dolls as all kinds of different, you know, whatever. The yeah. the Dr. Barbie dolls, in yeah. fact, I think, I think one of my granddaughters has one of those. Apparently, there's not enough diverse doctors uh, in, the, in the Barbie dolls. Yeah, and we clearly, we don't have enough Ken dolls who are rednecks. It's a uh, national well. crisis, uh, <laughs> not enough diversity in, in Barbie, Barbie doctors. Dolls. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll hit that as well. We'll find out what that's about, Dude, I guess. You slammed <laughs> it with the AI Al Gore today. Folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you missed it in the beginning of the show. I blew me away. I, I just couldn't stop laughing through it all. And How do you know that wasn't Al Gore? Why do you automatically just assume it was AI? I, I'm just in case it been, copyright it an impressionist, right? I don't know. I'm just assuming, but you're right. I don't know. So I'll ask you more about that in the bonus <laughs> round after the show. All right, we got some announcements, upcoming events, special thanks to some key sponsors, reminder of when our next Zoom AMA is for our patrons. You want to be part of that. And uh, all that's coming up in the second hour of the Robert Scott Bell Show, where I remind you, as I remind myself, the power to heal is yours. Hey, I want to thank uh, my my friend who uh, sent me this, uh, Sherry Ward. She's also, I believe, a Trinity graduate as well. Um, there was a interview I did with uh, Dr. Merrill Nass. I think it was a couple of months ago at an event, and I gave her a, a goodie bag, a gift bag, kind of like when you guys come on to the uh, Zoom AMAs for patron uh, uh, supporters. And we get to do some trivia questions, giveaways, and it's fun stuff. But I gave her a, a bag of goodies for my friends at Natural Immunogenics. And, you know, they make the the Sovereign Silver Gel. They have the, the new packaging as well for those that you want. This healing gel, skin care. Uh, it's going to squeeze tube. But I, I've been using it in the glass bottle pump for years as well. So I, I think I gave her that. And I don't know, Super D, if you have that. But she put in her sub stack. There it is. Yeah, Merrill uh, Nass Substack, a simple, fabulous cure for skin infections. Two excellent ways to get the benefits of silver, which inhibits uh, 
bacteria, yeast, viruses, et cetera. And she was talking about her experience with other forms of uh, performable prescription and then OTC drugs. And she uh, describes in the Substack how, you know, I gave her the Sovereign Silver First Aid Gel and she began utilizing it in an area where she was having some skin problems, maybe due to uh, yeast overgrowth and other things. And uh, be- better results than anything. She says she came home from, a- yeah, there it is, Super Don. Is it after 24 hours of no benefit, of using an antifungal over-the-counter cream, uh, spotted the the gel that I had given her and decided to try it. And she just put a light, nice little thin coat on it, let it dry for a minute. And she said that it worked way better than any prescription she had ever. And she's a physician, a medical doctor. She had access to all of the most powerful drugs, right? And she found that the Sovereign Silver Gel took care of it. So she says, say goodbye to Bacitracin, which usually doesn't work anyway. I plan to apply the Sovereign Silver Gel on cuts and scrapes from now on. And of course, if you want to use silver bandages, that's fine. You can use them in conjunction with. So again, shout out to Dr. Merrill Nass as well for that. That's really cool. And you and me, Super D, we know we've used this gel for years on ourselves and our kids and you and your grandkids, uh, burns, everything. And my and, daughter uh, just recently yeah, yeah, with the and grease burn, which is is uh, healing. Beautifully, right? Very well, yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of a cool thing. I, I wouldn't have found it. I, I didn't know about it until uh, uh, Sherry had sent me that message. So thank you, Sherry, for giving me a heads up on that. That is really cool. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I need to order some more NRDMG, you know, the lozenges to counteract the glyphosate exposure. Mm-hmm. We're running mm-hmm. low. I'm just thinking about that. Remember, RSB15 is the discount code when you want to order anything from Nutritional Frontiers, including the super duper uber uber i want to give it so many good names but you know the stuff i'm using to build my lean muscle mass. super creatine yeah the super creatine it's awesome too and and a lot of their other products i still use their certified organic u.s grown hemp cbd products and all of these things even when they're on sale you can double dip rsb15 is the discount code as well remember also upcoming uh in february after we do the uh, uh autism health summit with uh, Do- uh tracy slepsevic and uh paul baratero is going to be there from echo uh technologies as well and a number of our friends going to be there in san antonio that's february 2nd and 3rd uh the 17th and 18th of february saturday sunday is the virtual health freedom expo where you'll get three months access to everything that you couldn't possibly see at all and then some there'll be new new things submitted for that so that's also coming up we've got some events in atlanta including the uh, tia severino uh putting on the next steps conference third annual one next steps.info and that's in march in lake lanier islands resort outside of atlanta so we got a few things we'll be adding more into the mix as we get them confirmed uh, let's see. Anything else I'm forgetting to announce or remind myself of? Always, always love shouting out Bob Reorin as I get closer and closer to the one year anniversary of when my mom first started using the uh, Folium products, the Folium PX. This is about a year ago. And mom had been struggling. You know, she was 88 at the time, struggling with a lot of health issues that she'd never struggled with before uh, through the COVID years. And we don't know if it was COVID or not because she didn't buy into the test or any of the other garbage. Uh, but everything I knew was kind of keeping things at bay, but nothing really getting her back on track. And then Bobri sent her some folium. She got on the folium original. Two weeks later, mom calls me. I got more energy. I'm sleeping better. What's going on? This stuff for real? Yeah, it's for real. Keep on it. January 1st, 2023, almost a year ago now, she's dancing to the new year, dancing into the new year. And at 89, January 29, she turned 89, coming up to the 90th birthday and uh, going strong still. 
And I appreciate Bobbery for that. If those of you uh, realize if you can get someone at 89 years of age back on the dance floor, what can I do for you? Think about that. Foliumpx.com, Folium Products, Folium Original, Folium Immuno, Folium Relax. Get on them all. Use the code RSB10 or just mention Robert Scott Bell when you call Bobbery. He'll hook you up and get you past that ceiling in your healing. So shout out, Bobbery. Thanks. We'll get you back on soon. And we had some great interviews with uh, him and uh, recently with Dr. Judy Mikovits, and it's been part of her protocol as well. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, let's see what else we got to cover today in the first hour. I didn't want to cover this, but I will before we go to our guest. Uh, Kristen Christie's waiting in the wings. She's going to be dining. I, I, I'm not. She's going to be fine. She's going to be great. I, I'm like, dude, I've read about her. It's like, this is nothing for her. Uh, but I'm excited to bring her on in a few minutes as well. Uh, but the first article in hour two here, why are we in the middle of an obesity epidemic? And here's a possible explanation. So I was reading this with Super Don. He was holding my hand as I read this morning, not really physically, but we were connected talking about this article. I'm like trying to find out what's the money shot on this thing, trying to figure out why there's an obesity epidemic. And of course, most of you know that eating food devoid of vitamins, minerals, and trace minerals, purely refined carbohydrates, processed and ultra-processed foods, plays a significant role in obesity and other issues. As you continue to eat without abandon because there's nothing satiating your appetite except feeding the hunger because it's empty. It's not there. Uh, Dr. Sheila, uh, Dr. I'm sorry, yeah, Dr. Sheila Fury last hour, she actually mentioned that the fear of fat you know, when she's talking about brain and nervous system issues in the 20th century, they made us fear fat so much. They replaced the fat with what sugar car carbohydrates also creating a disaster. The other thing post-World War II that occurred is they began to convert the munitions that were made for bombs, nitrogen, for instance, into fertilizer, the NPK, where they would add to the crops that suddenly blossomed and bloomed like faster than ever before. And they thought, my gosh, We've just outdone creation. And yet those plants that grew so fast in the presence of these pelletized NPK uh, uh, products used to be made for bombs. They were not healthy plants. And what would happen is that those plants would be infested, attacked by pests. And then the same chemical manufacturing uh, methodologies were employed from the abundance of oil in the 20th century in particular, but, you know, 19th century started emerging organic chemistry in Germany. They started altering these chemicals to create poisons to attack life, nature, bugs, pests, and they would add that to the crops. And then these crops would survive the onslaught and then they'd go to market. But now they had things that food didn't have in it before. That was synthetic chemicals, toxic poisons, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. And then we added to the mix the growth of better living through synthetic chemistry, DuPont, Agent Orange, uh, various different things, Monsanto and all of its incarnations. Now it's Bayer. A lot of this, what I call the demon spawn of the breakup of IG Farb in post-World War II, Nazi Germany developing into this poison everything, the water, the food, the air, creating scenarios where now we have a toxic burden in the body that we have to either excrete if we can, or if we can't, then we have to find a way to dilute and protect the vital organs of function from the toxic burden, these things that would also cause cancer eventually. And that became the layers of fat and water retention. 
to dilute the burden away from the vital organs of function. Now, we also see a lot of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. You know, people that have cirrhosis sort of things are like, why do you have it? You're not a drinker, but you're just being exposed to toxic poisons that the body is a difficult time binding and excreting, transforming through enzyme activity. I mean, these are things that haven't been on earth other than, yes, they've been part of the earth and they're corrupted and, and altered in such a way that the enzymes normally are able to break down things that it knows now are like, what the hell is this? And so we have an accumulation. Now, certain body types lend themselves to obesity, weight gain, et cetera. So our focal point would be to detoxify them. Now, having said all of that, probably more than you wanted to know, Let's go into the story. Let me bring, if Super Don is able to open up his microphone, because I wanted to talk about it like we did a little bit before we went to air today. As this guy or whoever this is uh, running this study, claiming that it happened long before all the stuff I mentioned, right? This is before the, the additives and the preservatives and the, the refined foods, even though he sort of pays lip service to it. There's something else going on there. What does he say it is? Yeah, so I, I had not uh, had a chance to completely read through this in detail. And so I think basically what I discovered is I think that we're probably going to agree with this theory more than we thought we were going to initially. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the, the, the article itself, basically what it does is it, it, it challenges the belief. There are some people that believe the obesity epidemic started with the rise of fast food and processed foods. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, what this, this individual is doing is he's tracing the onset of obesity back to before World War II. And the, the theory is, and yet really, honestly, what you just said in, in the beginning of the monologue here, I think jives is what it is he's saying, that it's, it's a combination. And I've always believed that there is a, such a thing as genetic predisposition to things. Mm -hmm. I think it's one piece. Sure. I don't think it's, it's the one-size-fits-all thing that a lot of scientists will say just, oh, well. It's a gene, the gene. So that means you're, you need, you know, like with the BRCA gene, right? Oh, well, you've got the BRCA this, gene. That means what, we need to cut everything off. Right. What causes right? the gene to express, right? We come right. back to environment. So this, the, the author of this theory here is saying that it's a combination of genetic predisposition and mm -hmm. environmental factors. Okay. So I, I have no problem with that. In fact, I think that is a, a better explanation mm -hmm. uh, for uh, not just obesity, but yeah. I've, I've kind of ranted on this in the past that humans suck, man. We do. We, yeah. We're really stupid when it comes to thinking that we're brilliant and we're going to reinvent the wheel and we're going to create things. And, oh, man, this is like the greatest thing. The, the example that I like to use is Teflon, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, if you look at the history of Teflon, did you know that Teflon was invented in 1945? I thought it was I didn't realize it was that long ago. But it was invented in, uh, in 1945. World War II era, yeah. Yep. And, and they, 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 uh, they started putting this stuff in the pans. Yeah. And, oh, man, it's non-sticky. Man, look at the eggs just slide right out of the pan. You know, and then eventually, you know, if, if you were one of those people that happened to have a Teflon pan, uh, especially the cheaper ones, mm -hmm. uh, they had a tendency to kind of like flake and scratch yep. and come off. And you're kind of like, oh, well, whatever. Yep. It's mostly still non-stick, whatever. So we find out, what, 1945, you know, we find out in like, I mean, they started uh, zeroing in on PFAs, like maybe, what, like 10 years ago, maybe, or yeah, less? Yeah, forever chemicals, et cetera, yes. Right, so here we are, 70 years later, everybody's been using Teflon and other things that have PFAs, but, you know, PFAs, I think, Teflon. Mm -hmm. uh, and people have been using these nonstick pans all this time. Now we find out, just a few years ago, 
that it it's it creates gastrointestinal issues, liver damage, thyroid disruption, <laughs> immune system problems, hormonal imbalances, sure. right? And, and so we are our own worst enemy, you know, but it's like man invents something, people use it for 40, 50 years, then they go, whoops, Ooh, yeah, darn whoops. it. Sorry, guys. Like answer. So he's going way back, and and I'm not going to dispute that, but I will say that the grand or great acceleration into obesity did not happen at that time. It was a, an emerging thing that was going to happen, especially, again, around the era post-World War II. We started on this journey. And uh, if you look at pictures, and I brought this up to you, in the 1970s, you see these things floating around social media. Look at all the obese people at the beach wearing swimsuits, and they're all pretty much in shape and slender, uh, not a lot of fat people, if any, you can find. Now, Super Don, your uh, retort to me was, well, the fat people wouldn't go to the beach because they would be fat shamed. <laughs> Maybe that's true. I don't know. but I don't I, know. I mean, but I, you're right. I mean, you, it, if, if you do look at the pictures, it's true. But um, as far as this article goes and the theory yeah. goes, I, I think I think he's pretty much on the money. Yeah. I really do. Now, when they came at when, you know, Jack in a Box and McDonald's and you know, uh, uh, macaroni and cheese and yeah. cheese whiz and whatever, all that stuff came around. Do I think that contributed? Was it another contributing factor? Yes, absolutely. Well, the great acceleration was on in terms of looking at, looking around. I've talked about uh, traveling around the world and uh, seeing people from various cultures and very little obesity unless those people had adopted our Western diet and lifestyle. Yeah. Well, know, and, and, and the other thing, and, and we've talked about this before, if you think of, of, of uh, scientific advancement, right? Mm -hmm. What is it that sells the best? What is it that everybody's trying, you know, when it comes to gadgets and, and gizmos, mm -hmm. uh, it's all about what convenience, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like, you know, listen, you know, when, when they invented the remote control that invented the couch potato. I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, really, yeah. you know, I remember back in the day when we were young, oh, you had to get up and turn the dial on the TV, right. you know, wow, somebody, wow. somebody came along with the RF, you know, technology. Well, oh, look, we, I can just sit here and change the channel. We used to call them clickers. Why? We're old enough to remember when it actually made a clicking sound. Oh, yeah. It kind of yeah. struck this thing that made a sound that changed the channel. But you yeah. remember the, the one thing that made the biggest clicking sound? It was the original VCR. Do you remember those? Yes. They had these big buttons, huge buttons, as big as your finger. Right. And you push it down and go, cut chink. You know, and you're just like, whoa, hey, there goes the tape. Yeah. Lori you're had right. the right idea. She's like, the kids were the uh, channel changers. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Kid, get out of seat. Get over there. Change channel. That's right. Hold that so antenna anyway. just like that. Don't move. So, so no. listen, uh, we've identified a problem, mm -hmm. which we quite often do. The solution. It's not Ozempic. It's not. It's not bariatric surgery. It's not in 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 extreme cases, whatever, fine. But it, it's not, you know, uh, this Ozempic thing is so out of control. Yeah, and they are working. They are pouring so much money into trying to make it sound like this, which is wonderful. They got to make all their money before the lawsuits. Oh, hit. but the just the list of side effects and the problems that people are having with it's this astonishing. Yeah, it's astonishing. crazy. Y'all, just please eat cleaner food. If it's not certified organic, find out that it's grown without pesticides and all of that. And remember, even if you eat clean like I do, I'm still doing the NRDMG lozenges. Don't order them all because I need to order some more. But yes, <laughs> RSB15 is the discount code. And Save some for Robert. Yes. Yeah. 
So let's let's talk about our guest coming up here this hour. First time on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Yep. She's got a website, KristenChristyCares.com. Here you go. Super Don put it up for you. Live more, fear less. Great. Great. Right there. I'm like, yeah, she's in. Master Resilience Trainer, 2018 Air Force Spouse of the Year. To, you, she married the Air Force? Or you no, know, I think she had somebody in the Air Force. She was married. Okay, I got it. I'm, I'm slow. I'll get there. 2019 okay. Top 30 Women Military Influencer, resilient expert, speaker, trainer, coach, co-creator of the 988 Suicide Prevention Lifeline, creator of National Resilience Day on March 4th, and conquer uh, America's resilient speaker, joins us now on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Please welcome Kristen Christie. Hi, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great, and even better now that you're here. I can tell you're bringing it. Thanks. I love your energy. It's fantastic. Let's well, we go. Have, we have a good time here. And uh, that's why I appreciate what you do. When I read about you, I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, to, to, to sustain that. But think about why you do what you do. And then I think about your backstory and the brief version of it. I, I don't want to even get into. I want you to relate what you've gone through in this lifetime to bring you where you are today. Yeah, trying to make my messes into a message. And that is what sets my soul on fire. Uh, I grew up in the Air Force, living all over the world. I was a world-class athlete in tennis and golf and had plans after high school. Uh, But at the age of 15, I had a massive stroke as a result of an arterial venous malformation in the very center of my brain. Uh, And it was the power of community that came alongside of us. I also learned that I'm stronger than I thought I was, that my identity is not on what I do, but who I am as a person. And our faith played a huge part in the foundation of my recovery. It took me a year and a half after brain surgery to mm-hmm. uh, learn to walk again. And I write wow. with my left hand now. Well, you were right-handed right. before that, that occurred? I was right-handed so, before that. So, Kristen, what's interesting, um, you know, you were 15 at a time where it's a very rare occurrence to have an event like that to a 15 year old. And now we're seeing, and of course there's a whole different reason. It's not like you're born with a congenital issue with a lot of these things that we're seeing with kids. We know it's because of the the mandates to get experimental injections, but I I imagine that your message is going to become more important as some of these kids that survive this got to learn how to overcome it like you did. So I think your, your time is more important than ever with what you've been through. Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, it gets down to as human beings, we want a sense of purpose and using our passion. And my passion was tennis and golf and being an athlete. And I had to find new avenues for my talents. And I love walking alongside people who have that loss uh, to really help them take the blinders off to see their full potential. Um, I got a, a call from a mom one night, one day, uh, she knew that I was on the American Heart and, and Stroke Association board. Her 19-year-old son had a massive stroke. Unfortunately, he had taken heroin and had a massive stroke from that. He was a D1 football player, and that was his life. And I had a chance to talk with Josh, and uh, I asked him, you know, what did you like to do before the stroke? And he said, I loved football. And I said, do you know how to play football? And he cussed me out and said, you know, I'm sitting in this chair, can't move my legs. And I said, do you know how to play football? Mm -hmm. We got him an assistant coaching position on Parks and Rec for a second grade peewee team because he knew every playbook since he was six years old. We Mm -hmm. found new avenues for his talents. 
And I think that's the important part uh, as a community to come alongside people when they're going through life's tests and they're learning some hard lessons. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And uh, there are a lot of people going through some very difficult times now. Uh, and as we say about these kids that have gone through it, you know, I like to say through no fault of their own, this is not meaning to absolve people of, of responsibility of choice. But when you're a kid, you're pretty much doing what your parents tell you. And, it, and, and unfortunately, many of the parents are doing what their doctors told them. And I think we're going to have to grow up and mature out of that idea that we can worship people in various professions as if they're without any uh, fault or or maybe ill intent or even if they meant well that they might not get it right all the time and uh, this is a, a major i think a wake-up call to the maturation of the adult human to say you've got to think critically about everything and that includes your health and not turn over your bodies to a ruling elite class of medical people that may that can do great things like they did an incredible thing for you after your stroke and i would never deny that advancement that's amazing but in many other cases the things they're doing are contributing to unnecessary medical advance too so how do we find that line where we respect people of knowledge and capacity and capability but not abandon our critical thinking or our connection to the divine source of communication from God to say, hey, don't do it because this could happen as opposed to going, well, the doctor says it and they're more godlike than you, God. I mean, this is where we've come to. Yeah, we're all human beings, regardless of our profession. Um, I really encourage people to advocate for themselves and to advocate for their children where they can. We tried our, I have been having headaches for two months. Uh, we had just moved to Germany and the, the military pediatrician, as you said, 40 years ago, not many 15 year olds and younger had had strokes and had brain bleeds like that. Um, so I think we did the best that we could with the tools that we have. And that's really my mantra for life, period. Um, we have a choice to research, do the, um, the uh, I say knowledge is potential power uh, and it's what we do with it. And because we are individuals, uh, we have values and beliefs and to to go with that gut instinct um, on that is, I think, so important. You know, there are I really work with suicide prevention and there are so many opportunities out there for people to find something to help them manage their PTS, their post-traumatic uh, post-traumatic stress, mm -hmm. because I call it post-traumatic strength. Uh, we really are, I am who I am because of everything I've gone through and in spite of everything I've gone through, um, including the suicide of my first husband 15 years ago after a deployment uh, with the Air Force. Mm. Um, and the lessons I learned when I had my stroke and was recovering, I was able to use those lessons um, when Don died and our two boys, 12 and 14, both attempted. Um, their role model had, if we, we look at the research, people who have a loved one die by suicide are more likely to attempt. Um, and so again, taking that mess that I went through the second time um, and, and making a message, taking that test and making a testimony. Hmm. But if you think about post-traumatic stress, and it's not just for those in combat, it's whatever trauma we've had, 
But there are so many opportunities out there. We're doing virtual reality suicide prevention with the military. Um, tomorrow, I know that you've had Dr. Mark Richards on your show. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow, I have my consult for testosterone pellets because I have absolutely no, no hormones left in my body right now. But that is something that I have really researched. And um, I'm trying to advocate to be the best person I can be because I've got to take care of myself first before I can help other people. Now, Kristen, when you talk about, you know, the serious topic of suicide, the, obviously the circumstances can be wide and varied that lead people to that feeling that's their only way, you know, at forward or out. Is there a common theme when we talk about despair, hopelessness, or a loss of the only thing you thought you could do, now you can't do it? Uh, are there commonalities or is it so wide and varied the reason come to those really deep, dark moments of like, I want to leave this place? I, I would say yes. I know it's an either or, but it's it's yes. They have found that the top three um, reasons are financial, legal, and relationship issues. Uh, but there are so many other reasons that that people feel hopeless. They feel helpless. They feel loneliness even when they are surrounded by people. Um, it's that dark place of despair that is so hard to get out of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a negativity bias where we are magnets when it comes to, to negative thinking. Um and I call it stinking thinking between the, the ears, right? Yeah. If it, You're and, stuck in a pattern of, yes. um, you know, manifesting that which you expect in a yeah. sense at a certain point, you know, we're, we're, we're very programmable species. And if certain events occur, and particularly some of these events can occur before we're fully conscious of what they're happening. This is what we talk about in the younger years, the formative years, experiences we had. Parents might not even be aware of how they're perceived by the child. And it sets a pattern up and, and then it leads to, you know, certain events occurring. And then you think the worst, uh, the thing they would never do becomes something at the forefront of their mind. Uh, and, you know, how do you take that overwhelming weight, if you will, and, you know, release it, you know, work with them. Uh, you know, there, there are obviously a wide variety of, of methods out there. And uh, I don't know if, if there's a, a one size fits all. I doubt that there is, but certainly uh, there's something that you're probably very sensitive and attuned to when you are reaching out to folks and meeting them where they are. And that's what I try to do. My friends call me an emotional support human. Um, and and really, that is, um, it gets down to the word hope. As a military spouse, uh, my first husband was military. My dad was military. My new groom is military. I keep going back because that's the language I know. But we talk in acronyms. And HOPE is an acronym for Hold On Pain Eases. That E doesn't stand for end. Mm. I'm sure you and Super Don have experienced a 10 out of 10 on the pain scale. And you know that it ebbs and flows, that, that pain ebbs and flows, especially around the holiday time. Um, it's, it can be very, very hard for people. But I want to encourage your, your viewers to uh, think of hope in another acronym, help one person every day. Hmm. When you need to get outside of your own circumstances, your own pain, 
if you get outside that comfort zone sometimes and you help someone else, you're not only helping your pain ease, but you're helping their pain ease. You may not know what it is. Um, I call life an emotional battlefield. We don't know what our battle buddy is dealing with at any one time, but uh, that's the superpower of community. And we are supposed to do life together. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest for someone who may not feel like they're skilled in the things that you do, but they genuinely, sincerely, in all their heart, want to help people restore hope? Um, one thing I, I would say, and you can add to this, is just be that friend, even if you, or even an acquaintance that listens, that genuinely listens with all of your heart, your mind. And that alone could be the gift that gets people out of that hopelessness and despair. And you don't have to be an expert at that. You know? Absolutely. I, I love that. I say listening is such a powerful skill. It truly is a skill to learn how to listen, not to one up someone. Just sit there. Just sit there in their darkness with them so they aren't alone. Uh, research has indicated I'm not sure where the research came from. I apologize. But mm -hmm. uh, out of 10 people who seek mental health services, two of them need a professional licensed uh, professional. Eight of them need someone to listen to them. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the best holiday presents you can give someone is to contact a friend and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I want to be your person or one of your people mm -hmm. that you call on with good news and cheer right alongside of them, almost cheer more than they would because of the, the blinders that we have on for our potential. Um, mm -hmm. But when you earn that trust with them, they will come to you in the dark times too. And it's okay to not have the words. When we were notified of um, Don's suicide, our living room and kitchen filled up with people. And I only remember two conversations that night. I know I had a lot more. Um, this was 15 years ago. And one friend from church came over and said, at least he's in a better place. And in the rawness of that moment, I said, why isn't the better place at the kitchen table with his family? Yeah. And then another friend about 20 minutes later came over, gave me a hug and she said, Kristen, I have no words for you, but I'm here. <laughs> Which would you yeah. rather hear when you're going through mm -hmm. a 10 out of 10 on the pain scale? It's okay not to have the words, yeah. just be there with them. And, uh, and wanna, avoid at least comments, at uh, least, you know, he's in a better place. I want to stre strengthen, if I can, what you've just said, because for anybody out there that says, well, I'm not a quote unquote licensed professional in that yeah. realm. As you point out, most people don't actually need it, mm -hmm. but even if they did, it would still be a help, uh, a helping step along the way to be that listening sounding board even. But then, you know, the thought that runs through my mind is like, wait, but what if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't know what to say because I'm not a professional? And to your point, to say nothing, but I'm here for you. I love you. I care about you. Or I don't know what to say. And, and you know, so don't think that you have to have a PhD in helping people to do this. And to your point in that circumstance that you remember so well, it's awkward. It's hard to know what to say. And oftentimes the best thing is, you know, just be there, be present. And you don't have to be the fixer, right? The fixer upper. Cause we all, if you have a healing tendency, you want to help and fix it. You know, somebody's broken, they're hurting. I want to fix it for you. I want to help you. It's like, 
it's not always uh, the right time to, even if you know what to do to engage in that until they're ready for that next phase of like, then you can come and look and say, yes, I know Don is in a better place now, but at the time it was like, it was here. Why isn't he here? Right. And so just being there, not, not concerning yourself for what you're going to say, you don't have to be a professional or amateur or anything just to be there. And I think, you know, timely for the holidays. If anybody's feeling lonely, also invite those folks that don't have friends or family to come on over and join your family. Uh, that's a great gift. We like to do that Thanksgiving, you know, bring people that don't have a lot of family together and just celebrate life. Just be together. Yep. Uh, absolutely. I had a friend who uh, came up to me and she said, Kristen, you and your boys will have a plate set at our dinner table every day for a year. Hmm. You don't have to call before you come. You don't have to let us know if you aren't coming. We are just there for you whenever. Just show up. And I thought that was one of the best gifts that anyone could give to us. Wow. Um, the gift of time. We all have 1,440 minutes in every day. How much do we give to ourselves? That's important. I spend my quiet time, my devotional time and spend time afterwards um, meditating and and breathing and and just writing down in my grateful journal. I have found that that's been so helpful for me. Um, but then the rest I can give to others. As long as my cup is filled, it's important to take care of ourselves. And it's not selfish. Self-care is not selfish. No, exactly. I think that we've been told that if you take time for yourself, that's selfish in a bad way. But being selfish in a in a good way, which there is a, that potential, in fact, a necessity in terms of self-care, uh, allows you to be selfless. And I, I think that's the irony. It's like if you you know think, I'm selfless, like I give. But if you don't take moments to give for yourself, you don't have that much left over to give. And it'll eventually burn you out. And then you may end up in that dark night. And needing yeah. somebody that hopefully comes back and reminds you that you're worthy of that self-care yeah. and that self-love. Yep. And, and you matter. Yeah. I also want to encourage that having resources, you do not have to do it alone. If you are that person that is walking alongside of someone, being that, that emotional support human for someone you care about, um, we have resources. There are resources in every city imaginable. And when you are in a good place, that is a good time to find out what those resources are. Um, in 2010, two years after Don's suicide, I started socializing a three-digit suicide lifeline. We have the 1-800 number. It's 800-273-TALK, and that is still active. But in 2019, the FCC took it on it was signed by executive order in 2020 and July 16th of 2022, 988 became active nationwide as the suicide and crisis lifeline. Dial one if you're a military member, dial two for Spanish speakers. Um, they, those are trained volunteers behind the phone and behind the text. You can actually text to 988 now. I know my son is 28. My younger son is 28 and he would much rather text than call and I'll take it any way I can. Uh, but you can text to 988 and those are trained professionals. And if your friend is not in a place to make that phone call, it's okay to call for a friend. Say I'm calling for a friend and really mean it. Mm -hmm. um, 
what I encourage is why don't you do it together? Put her on, put the person on speakerphone and get that resource and that help together. So the, these people on the other end of that 988 call are what trained counselors of some kind? Some of them are counselors. They all go through extensive training. Uh, it has been the crisis line. The actual organization has been around since 2005. So if you think of the 1-800 number as one URL and 988 as another URL, um, they point to the same website. Those URLs point to the same website. So those telephone numbers point to the same organization that has been around since 2005. Hmm. All right. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Kristen Christie this hour, and she's terrific, uh, really doing amazing work. And her website, Kristen Christie Cares. Kristen is spelled K-R-I-S-T-E-N, uh, Christie, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, cares.com. And there's a lot you can access at the website there. I see as I scroll down there, you've done a lot of speaking engagements. Do you have any coming up uh, after the holiday season in the new year? Anything that people might be able to connect with you on? I do. I've I've got, and I'll put those up on my website too. You've seen how I've gone worldwide. Um, mm -hmm. I'll be in Vermont in January. I'll be doing a lot in DC in the February timeframe. Uh, I've got uh, St. Louis, Missouri coming up in March and Dayton, Ohio in April. We're still adding things. And I will tell you that just, um, again, it sets my soul on fire to be able to, to tell our Yes, it's heart wrenching, um, but to talk about the superpower of community, you know, we talk about illness. I talk about mental illness, mental health, but the word illness. Mm -hmm. If if you look at the word illness, I L L N E S S, and you remove the I, the individual from illness, and replace it with community and resources like you and your show. And that's represented by the word we, mm -hmm. then we have wellness. Wellness. Beautiful. Beautiful. Absolutely spectacular. I'm so grateful to connect with you. I'm so appreciative of all that you have done in this lifetime and all that you have yet to do in, in helping others remind them of, uh, I guess, the, the value that each of us has here. And, and especially when those feel without that value, you know, the best thing is we've concluded i think and it's maybe just the starting point but boy it's a big one find somebody that needs someone to to listen to them and listen without judgment be right. there support them and you don't have to fix them and you'll find the miracles in that exchange it is like the presence of god in those moments when you're truly listening with all of your being yes the stillness yeah well, Kristen, thank you for everything you're doing. I'm looking forward to hearing that you're doing well with uh, Dr. Mark Richards. Hope that goes so, so well for you. And anything we can do to help, please let us know here, whether it be homeopathic or otherwise. And if you have a, another event or a big announcement, just uh, let us know. We'll get you back on. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you all do for our community, um, advocating for health, uh, and the power within us to heal ourselves is uh, so important. So I just want to leave you with one thing that hope mm -hmm. is not canceled. <laughs> no, that's not going to be canceled here ever. And I appreciate you for saying that. And also, you know, the reminder, as I say, the power to heal is yours. It, it's because I didn't know it was for much of my young life. And that's why it's become a thematic element to everything that I do. How that manifests in each of us, it may be different, but it, it is a connection that I, I like to, uh, uh, let's say reconnect, right? It's been severed by a lot of 
misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. It's not coming from you or me. It's coming from those that want to disempower us. And uh, that leads to the places where we we need the most help and you're helping in those places. So thank you, Chris. Kristen, thank, thank you. you. Yes. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right. Kristen Christie. Nice uplifting uh, tune for the holidays without having to sing. It felt melodious, didn't it? Not, not, uh, what was the other word we were talking about earlier in the, in the show about breathing or doing other things? Uh, from Kim, thank you, Kristen. You are a helpful helper for many. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Kim, for that nice message, uh, for Kristen. I, I agree with that completely. Uh, we need more of that, and you guys can be that as well. Uh, so as we wrap up uh, today's show, we still got about uh, eight or nine minutes or so before the bonus round as well. We've got a couple of more stories to cover, and uh, we'll bring Super Don back into the mix if he's ready for it. But there's a, a story here about uh, does the doctor know best? Does the doctor know best? And, you know, I have my opinions about that. <laughs> uh, you know, I keep bringing up the Flexner Report 1910 and how it ruined modern medicine in many ways outside of the areas where they do shine and they are legitimate. Uh, it it kind of gave them and pumped them up into this place of deification, you know, that they would be exalted among all other professions and it's not to say that they can't or don't in some cases do extraordinary work that you're like, wow, that's amazing. But why more than any other were they exalted? In the 20th century, some of the worst atrocities visited on human beings, much less animals, been visited upon by what we call allopathic doctors. Does that indict every one of them? No, it's just an acknowledgement. Now, the question is what they do know, they might be very skilled at. But what they do know might also be very wrong or incomplete. And so this study finds article is interesting because it goes to the, unfortunately, much of the propaganda, and I don't mean to the rest of us, but the propagandizing that is done to infiltrate the doctor's mind before they become a doctor, to pump them up, to help them believe in an egotistical way that they know more than anybody else, and they maybe shouldn't bother listening to anybody, particularly their patients. And this is the survey. The doctors apparently place little value on patients' perspectives. Uh, and now, this is not a jarring survey to me because I've seen this in action. Of course, the docs that I know and love and care about that bring on this show are not like this, but many apparently still are, according to this study, Super Don. It's a bit eye-opening um, in some ways, I think, to the probably to the average person. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about you. Uh, I avoid doctors pretty much, um, probably more than I should. Really. What do you mean you don't know about me? I don't know, but well, listen, together? you, you, I know that in your past, you, you got to have a lot of experience with doctors, but yes. I don't know whether you knew some of the things and who knows back then, maybe it was different, but mm -hmm. let's look at what they found out today. Yeah. <clears throat> in today's age, apparently, uh, one of the first things here, doctors often disregard patient self-assessments. You know, you go into the doctor and you go, doc, man, you know, here's what's going on with me. You know, I, this, this is having this happening. I feel like this is what, the, you know, is going on with this. So I got apparently only according to the survey, only 4% of the doctors consider uh, a patient self-assessment as uh, a top source of wow. evidence. That, you know, that is a very scary reality. You know, I encourage people to assess their self because who knows you better than you? And as we've talked about that, too, in terms of parents and their children, you know, this has been a big theme with autism vaccines, uh, well, baby visits. 
where the parents would say to the doc, he was fine and now he's not. And the doctors say, oh, no, it's, you know, or, or disregarded altogether. So it fits right. well with the survey response. The other thing that is, I just, and this topic comes up on this show every once in a while. And I still, I'm just like, ah, apparently there's a gender bias they found in diagnosis. And they found that with female patients, more they are more frequently told that mental factors are affecting their symptoms. Yeah, and and it's just, I mean, is that right? I I have trouble. I mean, in in twenty twenty three, almost twenty twenty four, are we still uh, in 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 a place where it's like a, if a female happens to come in and says, "Oh, doctor, I'm having this problem," uh, it's just in your head. Yeah, I mean, and that and that's apparently according to this the survey applies mm-hmm. more. There's a bias towards uh, telling women this than telling men this. I mean, isn't that just sure. like a? I I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, well, I'm with you in that. I I, I just, think we we should be so much more advanced as a society at this point <laughs> that we're not going to just still have that 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 stereotype or that bias. Uh, toward females that you know oh well they're you know what 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 have i said about the allopathic medical professional it's masculine male dominated i say misogynistic but it really is and if you're a female doctor god bless you but you had to suppress a lot of your femininity to become an allopathic doctor tell me i'm wrong i'm not wrong i'm not saying that men have to become women but they have to suppress certain aspects of their nature to do what allopaths require, you know, the allopathic training and education requires them to do. Very, you know, nurturing, intuitive side. And I don't mean it's exclusive to women because they, you know, they predominantly drum that out of the men too. You know, if you're a caring, concerned healer, you happen to be a man, you know, don't don't pay attention to that side of you. This is about a mental <laughs> construct. This is the cookie cutter way you got to do it. And if a woman says this, you know, you're going to have a tendency to downplay it or say it's all in your head. Oh, it's just hysteria. Yeah, right. exactly. Hysteria yeah. based on what the, the the hysterectomy. What is that? Removal right. of the womb. I and, just and the older ovaries, if they can. Get you know, it's funny. I I didn't know for the longest time that that's where that word came from. No, hysteria was a pretty yeah. decent Def Leppard album. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you're hysterical, and, right? So right. anyway, the 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 conclusion that they came to with this thing is that uh, uh, there needs to be more of a collaborative approach between doctors and patients and more value put towards uh, patients experiences. Uh, Mm -hmm. Will that happen? I don't know. I think if you want that to happen, find yourself a better doctor, go to somebody like a naturopath or a homeopath or something or or a chiropractor, because you're going to find you're going to have a much better experience in that situation. Yeah. So let's ask the question about uh, Barbie dolls. Did you, this is too personal to ask, but did you play with Barbie (laughs) dolls when you were a kid? I did not. Dude, I did, I did but know. you know what I did with them? Uh, did you did you uh, involve like firecrackers and stuff? Firecrackers, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. No, you know, my 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 sister. I don't remember her really having Barbie dolls. Yeah, well, um, just dolls in general. But yeah, it, it's like if there's no difference between men and women, boys and girls. I don't know. That might be one of the things. I'm not saying there aren't some tomboy well, girls that do that. For the dudes, be, I didn't get to do this because yeah. my, my parents knew that probably the worst thing they could do is put a lighter in, or, or a match <laughs> in my hands. But uh, Well, fortunately, we didn't blow anything up that, that couldn't be meant. dudes. Up. No, yeah. check it out. The dudes, my older brother, I can remember when I was very little, one of the few memories that I, I still retain from being small, yeah. like four, mm-hmm. uh, was he would do it with models. He'd build like a model, right? Like of a tank or a car or something like that. And then he'd put like, you know, 
firecrackers or something like that in the model and blow the model up. That was yeah. That oh, was yeah. a cool. Yeah, we thing would do. do that. Now, uh, this doesn't translate necessarily into I grew up and now I still blow things up. That's not <laughs> you know, we go through this as kids. It doesn't mean we're Dude, all gonna be, it's yeah, I would not hesitate mm-hmm. at my age, now fifty-five. Right. Yes. Uh, to if somebody had super done, that's right. If somebody had gave me an opportunity to go with them to go blow some stuff up, I'd totally do it. Right. Like we've been to the gun range where they set up like the the, occasionally they'll uh, bring an old car, you know, to a gun range, outdoor range. And you just, you start shooting it, blowing it up and they get, you you get the flamethrower on it. And it's like, who doesn't like, like Tim Allen's character, you know, there's something about that. And I'm not saying that women can't enjoy that too. Uh, but it doesn't mean you're going to go out and destroy everything in your life. I guess there's a way to, you know, put a position in this. This is the appropriate time where you can enjoy and have fun with a silly, crazy, destructive thing. And you don't automatically. go. So you brought up Barbie dolls. Why? Yeah. Well, I think there's an article here uh, you sent me. And the question is, does Barbie need more doll options that portray diverse doctors? Now, what are they talking about here? Well, skin color, or is it more than that? Apparently, uh, what we've got is a uh, an inaccurate representation of medical and scientific professions because they have like Barbie doctors, right? You know, they have like Barbies that do different professions, right? So the Barbie doctors, this is what they're, for whatever reason, they focused on specifically. Mm -hmm. It's lacking diversity and professional authenticity. Yeah. Uh, Most dolls, it says, are adult and white and female. Okay. With none show, well, wait a minute, it's a Barbie. What do you mean, female? It's supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I, yeah. I just, whatever. That's a crazy world we live in, right? It mm-hmm. should be, we should have some transgendered uh, uh, Barbies, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, none of them, and also none of them showing visible disabilities. So we don't have Barbie in a wheelchair, um, Barbie with a cane, Barbie with a prosthetic uh, limb, uh, I guess, I guess is what they're saying. So there's no visible disabilities. Um, and they depict it, it, what they call inappropriate attire, like loose hair and high heels, which is which is contrary to real life safety standards. So apparently OSHA yeah. uh, does not approve of the the doctors wearing high heels. Because And it's true. If you've been to a hospital, they don't walk around in high heels. Oh, They've got very no. comfortable shoes on because they they're should. on their feet, you know, all, you know, during the they're, day they're, and they're stuff. They're wearing Subarus on their feet. You know? But again, we're talking about a doll. Yeah. But they obviously are, are taking issue with this. So the study, I guess it examined 92 career dolls, it says. Hmm. Uh, and they say that they're advocating for more realistic, diverse representations to inspire future medical professionals and scientists. Yeah. So, Yeah, and I'm complaining because there are no uh, Barbie doll herbalists. There are no Barbie doll chiropractors. Well, where's the, the, Barbie bar- the Barbie naturopath or the chiropractor, right? right? Where's the Barbie doll uh, uh, voodoo doctor? I don't know. I mean, just throw it all out there. Every doctor. Well, that'd be interesting. Representation. <laughs> yeah. Where, where's um, the Barbie urine therapy specialist? Exactly. Right? Yeah. You want equal coverage for all kinds of health care choices that they don't want you to have. This was a study. Um, yeah. Somebody, somebody uh, commissioned the study. It was published in the BMJ, the British Medical Journal, because they've already cured cancer. That's right. right? We already know how to do that, but they don't where they pretend not to because it would uh, crimp their uh, profitability. I like All Steve's right. suggestion here. What is that? How about a Barbie doll with a vax injury just to be inclusive, inclusive. and represent the population? Yeah. Huh? There you go. Right? Yeah. yeah. Anti-vaxxer Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> 
acupuncture. holding a sign. Yeah. Acupuncture barber <clears throat> comes with needles for the kids. There you go. That'll go. And lawn darts, right? That's when you need some some help. All right. We've uh, concluded this today's broadcast of the Robert Bell Show. And uh, if we we may, if you missed the first hour, I'd love for you to rewind back to it. But uh, we heard from Al Gore, who has uh, a solution for the global warming associated breathing. Right? <laughs> the fact that we breathe, we breathe out and we're contributing global warming. And he's not going to say we're going to cull you, but meh, in a manner of speaking, uh, we'll have to learn a little bit more about how that came to be. So stand by for that and a whole lot more. Uh, thank you all for being here. Thanks to our wonderful guests today. A lot of great discussion, uplifting things, and they're linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Just one last reminder before we go to break, the next Zoom AMA for our patron supporters is December 30th, a Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. One week from this coming Wrapping Saturday. Up 2024 in style. No, that'd be 2023. On the way to 2024. Let's do Correct. it. All right. Power to heal is yours, y'all. All right, bonus round commences. Yes, sir. All right, so a confluence of events led Super Don to do what Super Don does best. This is the thing that when you have the time, the things you pull through your brilliant mind or inspired to do are some of the you know classic stuff that we used to do on radio regularly. Yeah. And, you know, it comes so rarely because of all the overwhelming uh, responsibilities you have to keep this show going behind the scenes. That that kind of fun, that kind of thing that makes me giggle like a, I don't know, not like a schoolgirl, but you well, know what I'm saying. I, yeah, the, 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 as the story goes, when I first started working with you, mm -hmm. uh, I, had, I had been trained by the folks at the network that we were at to do cool stuff. And, and I already had like a, just a, I, for years I had wanted, you know, I, I, I idolized, you know, these morning show guys and they, they do these funny bits and they create the, the Howard Stearns and the, the Don Imuses and the, you know, and everything like that. And they would do these funny things and the morning zoo format, you know, was in our generation, you know, that's mm -hmm. where it, it, it started. Uh, Scott Shannon. And, you know, I mean, it was just, it was awesome. So it's like, I had this big buildup. Uh, to that 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 preceded me actually getting my foot in the door in radio. So when I got in there, I wanted to learn how to do everything, and I I learned how to do a lot of cool stuff. And then I found your show, and then I was kind of like, well, how how come we're spending all this time during the week on these other shows? Which you know what, they were big shows, millions of listeners. It was over, you know, it was it was, it was crazy. Make your head explode. The hey, talk radio. Oh, it was huge. I mean, millions of people that were listening to this stuff. That, that I was working on. And, and then I was like, you know what? I have all these things that I've learned how to do over here. Why don't they put some of this effort into the weekend shows? You know, I, it didn't make sense to me. So I was like, you know what? I like this, this Robert Scott Bell guy. He's kind of cool. He's talking about stuff that I am like interested in. And I kind of resonate. And, uh, and so I'm like, I'm going to take some of this stuff. I'm going to do it on there and I'm not going to tell him about it when I do. I'm just going to surprise him on the air uh, without him that thought I'm not I did him. I was just like look I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it because I think he's probably gonna be impressed right because that was what I, I wanted to impress you right mm -hmm. and so you know I'm that's how I, I went from dawn to you started calling me super dawn because I would do these yeah. things you would just be like how did you do that well yeah. oh you know and it just mm -hmm. became a thing so 
that's what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And, and before I, I, I end my time here on this planet, yeah. I want to achieve a place where I can go back to doing that full time. That, that would be just awesome. A dream for yeah. you and me, brother. Uh, and that's part of the growth of this show. That's why I, I, I say I urge you all, if you can, become a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show. Um, get the stuff we promote, you know, that we utilize here. And if you get the emails, you know, please indulge and do those things. Most of these things, I think all of them are great. I've not had, you know, things that we promote that were like, oh, that sucked. So thank God we've got a good track record there. But that will help us, uh, you know, in the new year. I see it because look at that one. You just had this one morning of the opportunity and well and i've got tools at my disposal now that i never had before so you know i can do these things so yeah we'll do it for for those of you that may have have tuned in after we we had the first segment of the show Mm -hmm. we were talking about this article this ridiculous article uh of a a study that was done and this was in the uk and they have come up with the idea that humans are fueling global warming by breathing. Just the, the act of breathing is, is, is contributing to global warming. And this morning I was looking at that, I was thinking, you know, probably the person that would want to be the first one to jump on that situation with a solution. I, I bet you'd be Al Gore, right? Mr. Carbon Credits, right? But how would he, how would he get involved in this situation here? Yeah, because carbon credits wouldn't make sense. So I, I just have to imagine that uh, if he put together a, a radio public service announcement on how he was going to solve the, the, the climate change situation with the, the problem with people breathing too much, that this is probably what it would sound like. Hello there, I'm Al Gore, and I'm here to talk about something that's going to blow your mind and maybe save the planet too. Introducing the latest and greatest in environmental innovation, breath credits. That's right, folks, we're putting a cap on the free air market. Each day, you get a set number of breath credits. Use them wisely, because if you run out, well, you'll just have to hold your breath until tomorrow. But here's the fun part. If you're feeling a bit breath rich, you can buy extra credits. Imagine that, breathing like a billionaire. And for the more economically breath challenged, get ready to get creative. Ever tried talking in half-breaths? Or how about breathing in Morse code? It's all the rage. And for those special occasions, we've got luxury breath packages. Want to sigh dramatically? That'll cost you two credits. Planning to yawn? Better check your breath balance first. And for the romantics, we're offering a two-for-one deal on gasps of surprise. So remember, with breath credits, every inhale is an investment. And every exhale is an extravagance. Let's breathe our way to a greener future, one carefully rationed breath at a time. This is Al Gore signing off and reminding you, in the world of breath credits, it's not just about how much air you use, but how you use your air. Keep breathing, my friends, but not too much. That, dude. Asps. Of surprise, uh, <laughs> dude. That, uh, that's as that's as top flight as anything I would see. You know, in the heyday of Comedy Central's Daily Show, not that they would lean that way to ever make fun of Al Gore, but uh, right. that equivalent is it was brilliant. And 
pointed, poignant, all of that, and very funny. And uh, we've got to like put that up on social media, but make sure it's tagged to the Robert Scott Bell show somehow, or maybe even cut it out of the show like we did. So you can yeah. see us there laughing as we're, as we're watching it. So they don't think <laughs> it's actually Al Gore and then get mad. Right. right? It's, it's definitely yeah, not it's, Al Gore. It's a spoof. And it's not that difficult. You know, if, if you ever want to get involved in creating stuff like this, um, and I, I, not, I, and we're not getting paid for this. What I'm about to say, it's just, it's, it's a great place to go. There's a website called Fiverr, F I V E R R, and there are people, freelancers, that will do all kinds of stuff. I mean, you, there, it's, it blow your mind what it is that they they can do, and it's very reasonably priced, and they've got a whole bunch of people that do impressions. So you could get uh, there was there was one time I, I I don't know if I could find this. I have to dig this up. Uh, where there was a guy that that did uh, uh, the John Cleese impression, mm-hmm. and it was spot on. Yeah, and and I was I had him do like things uh, for for imaging and stuff for for the talk network when I was I was working on that. But mm-hmm. you know, I've got one somewhere I think that I did for this show that uh, was was John Cleese as well. But um, yeah, there's just amazing people out there, and they're just looking for extra bucks on the side. Yeah. And so you can get, you can get a voiceover of Al Gore or Barack Obama or, you know, whatever, you know, f- famous movie stars, Arnold Schwarzenegger or something like that, you know, for 20 bucks mm. and, you know, and you, you, they'll, they'll voice it for you. So, uh, there's a lot of tricks in the, in the trade there. And these are some of the things that you would learn as an intern, uh, helping out with the show. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So anyway, yeah, that was fun putting it together. It really came together well. And uh, I, I want to do more of that. Yeah, that that you got me again, just like you did in the old days. <laughs> totally like blow me away. That's where you got the moniker. So you all can see it, how he became super Don. That's true. All right, let's see. Mercedes has a comment, not related, but it's still a good comment. Washington State has two representatives that have authored a bill to ban gas-powered equipment for lawn care. Now, uh, I'll admit, I like the battery recharge, you know, stuff for like for the um, the blowers when need be or the the weed whacker stuff. I don't know for lawnmowers. That's a great thing. But uh, yeah. but I just want everybody to consider this. And I'm not the first to say this. If everything was mandated to be battery and electrical, like all, all right. cars were that way, the grid would collapse immediately. We don't have the capacity to produce the electricity to make everything go without gas powered engines. And it's just, I think that the people that are promoting electrical for everything know this, and that's what they're accounting on right? because there's not a way that they don't know this. I know this, you know, this. they don't have the capacity to, we've already seen in California that they said, you can't charge your, 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 your cars at this point in time. And so they, you add right. that the entire grid is collapsing. Well, and this is in relation to the whole global war or the climate change or whatever they want to call it. Um, You know, it's like the gas stoves, you know, Mm -hmm. that they were talking about, even though there is, there is some legitimacy to uh, the stuff they get that the gas stoves can't put in the air in an enclosed house or room or something like that. You'd have some kind of ventilation, but right. uh, I, I hate cooking nothing on cooks electric. better than gas, though. Yeah, I know it's either you know? that or a, or a real wood fired stove. Now, when it comes to lawnmowers uh, yeah. and stuff like that, I I still have a gas powered mower. As do I, and, and that's what I use. Now, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, 
<laughs> I have looked at, at the possibility of getting a, an electric and, and for, for a couple of reasons, uh, mm-hmm. number one, they're not as, ex, as loud. Yeah. Uh, and number two, it goes to that thing that I was berating people about, uh, or in, in the last hour right? about convenience, right? Mm-hmm. It is, it is more, is it more convenient to be able to just pop a thing in the, in the, in the mower and just mm, and, and yeah. mow along without having to put the gas in there and pull the thing and, you know, and, and, and deal with engine maintenance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. You know, especially when you get like the, uh, see now I'm going to start geeking out, but yeah. I, I've been looking at like the ones that, that like you have like the lawnmower and you have the, the weed whacker, yeah. you know, and the hedge trimmer mm-hmm. and they all use the same battery and you right. can just kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. and I have, I mean, I acknowledge I have some of those tools for around the house, yeah. but I, not, I haven't replaced the lawnmower that way. I just, I'm a holdout on that. I like the ability to put gas in the thing and I'm able to mow the whole lawn. I mean, right. You know, it's just the electricity is uh, uh, to well, the battery. It, and it's, you know, here's the interesting, I guess the uh, the the conundrum that if you take like the situation with the electric vehicles, the EVs, yeah, the batteries on these things are horrendous for the environment. Yeah, they are. There's no way to really dispose of these things in a in, in a way that's not going to be damaging to the environment. So on the one hand, you've got Use these electric things and get rid of the the pollution and using you know petroleum you know c- carbon you know whatever like that. But then on the back end of the situation, they're damaging the environment because the batteries on these things, mm-hmm. people just throw them into the landfills, right? Yeah, uh, and that's that's We're terrible for the environment as well. Wounds on the planet uh, to get the rare earth minerals out for these batteries. And that too, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Chris had a comment earlier about methylene blue and. C60 and EDTA he says he's using it and it's uh, made a big difference for him. We appreciate you, Chris. And of course the EDTA has been become very, um, let's say in the spotlight again, when it comes to the snake venom issue, uh, as far as uh, also so, along with nicotine. Uh, let me ask you about the carbon 60. Yeah. Because that is something I've thought we don't really talk about it much here on the show. Yeah. Um, uh, there are some people that swear by it. Yeah. Um, I know the basis for it and I'm not opposed to it, but yeah, we haven't really focused on it heavily here. Um, who I actually have been approached by David some avocado wolf is big on that. He's big on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been approached on, on the, the idea of promoting something like that. If it was something that you thought would, would be a good well, thing. I just I don't it. know that much about it. And I sure. didn't, I didn't know what you thought. We got to talk to our, our, you know, our friends from Healing for the Ages. They're doing a lot that we're aligning ourselves. Ourself. I'm aligning with them on a lot of things because they're getting success uh, in this weird time, uh, you know, between Dr. Artis, Dr. Group, and, uh, Dr. Ely, and um, Dr. Schmidt. They're doing some amazing things. So, yeah, it's something we, we probably will approach in the new year, figure okay. out how to do some things. I'll be part of a planning session for the next Healing for the Ages event along with them as well. And we're going to start talking about detoxification. Detox dialogue as a regular feature on the are show. We, are we officially going to launch detox dialogues in the new year? I think so. Okay. I think that's the the yeah. There's the, a million ways to get there, right? and we're going to cover them all if we're on long enough. So cranking up the 25th anniversary of my uh, let's say what what am I what do I say that I do? Is it a career? And I don't think of it as a career because it's a way of life for me. 
we've been doing, I've been doing for so long. You've been with me for a vast majority of them as well. I think uh, at 25 years, you can call it a legacy. A legacy. Quarter century of broadcasting. Right. Yeah. Well, at, at the very least weekly, if not six days a week. And now we're at five days a week live, one day a week pre-recorded. So six days a week still. Since Groundhog Day 2011 is when we went six days a week. Right. And we were live for many of those uh, years until more recent. I think it was it just was it just this year that we started pre-recording for. I th- yeah, might might be. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of shows. I think we're over, or we're heading toward eighteen hundred guests over the those years that we've recorded uh, live with. Again, each guest counts one time, even if they've been on multiple times. So obviously, it's thousands of guests if you count each of them once. But um, you know, eighteen hundred getting closer to that number. I don't know how fast we'll get. If Kevin keeps doing his thing, we I don't know, is it possible? I guess in theory, you could get to 2,000 guests in the next calendar year. Yeah, well, 365 days. I don't know how that works out as far as show days, but yeah. um, it's the majority of them. And 200. I mean, who, would we, who would we get for our 2,000th guest? Yeah, I'm mm. thinking way ahead now, but it could happen next year. We'll have to think about that. During our 25th year. Maybe we'll put out a, like a poll or something. Yeah. People can vote on who, who they we want get. The, yeah. the guests to be. There are a lot of cool people I have not interviewed yet. Neil Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope he hangs in there. I mean, he's still got the Parkinson's. You don't hear much about how he's doing. Yeah. 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 Well, Barry Manilow could be the backup, right? I, I'd interview Barry Manilow. You know, <laughs> I tease you about him like you tease me about Neil Diamond, but I, I like them both. You, you yeah. just don't like Neil for some reason. I just give you a hard time. Yeah. You're so mean. I'm tapping my foot, singing, da, da, da. You know, I mean, everybody would be. Yeah. But anyway. All right. So hello, people on Rumble. Appreciate you hanging out with us today. Yeah. And uh, thanks to the folks that listen to us on our podcast, which you can hear over on SoundCloud and tune in. And I can't even remember. Is it's Stitcher been so long. Still a thing? Stitcher is still a thing. Yeah. yeah. But you look at all the things on the the listen page. You're right. Tune in, UK Health Radio, SoundCloud, Variety on Podbay, Owltail, Listen Notes, Top Podcast, Podcast Attic, Luminary, Up. I think it wasn't, didn't we eventually, we get put on, um, what is Clear Channel? What did they become? On uh, what, iTunes? Or, uh, I mean, uh, iHeart? iHeart, right? Yeah. Well, we are on Spreaker, which is which is um, iHeart, isn't it? iHeart. Yeah. But we're not actually. I don't think we're actually on iHeart itself. No, no. But one of their derivatives, so to speak. Yeah. yeah Spreaker, yeah, in, Spreaker, and we do. In fact, uh, I just just opened up Spreaker there, and uh, just for folks who uh, may not be subscribed to the podcast, uh, we just published today a new episode of Stay at Home Mom. Oh, that's right. I just got notice of that. It looks like a yeah. good one. Talking about Christmas. Yes. It's, In the uh, same way Leslie can talk about Flat Earth, she can talk about Christmas. <laughs> yes. And that's about not a dig. I mean, that's like you said, Leslie Christians. I think the topic is Christians who don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it, it's a fascinating uh, discussion topic. And thank you, Leslie, for yeah. contributing to the Robert Scott Bell Podcast Network as well. So you guys can get bonus stuff with Leslie. And speaking of that, she's still host. <laughs> excuse me, hosting the RSB family reunion. I think it's going to be in what June of twenty twenty four. 
Yeah, I got to get a banner for that. Okay. I'll put get see if I can dig one up. Michael Bolden, 25 years is amazing. Thank you, Michael Bolden. You're amazing. And I can hear him say, no, you. And I'm going to say, no. No, you, you are. You, you hang are. up first. No, you hang up first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Michael Bolden has been avoiding us on Fridays. That's not fair. It's my it's my bad for traveling on Fridays and having oh, to do things. So I just I just want him to just once just to to bend a little. Yeah, just go against the grain. I know that you like to be very structured and yeah. and and organized and stuff like that. Just just live dangerously one day and 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 give up uh, you know a Tuesday or something. And, We've concluded and, that he does this because he loves us talking about him clearly, yeah. and he's not shy to admit it. He's not. He's not ashamed to admit it. Let's just say that. <laughs> and we love him for that. <laughs> yes. By the way, uh, yeah. tomorrow uh, I I reached out to Ty Bollinger, mm -hmm. and he will not be able to make it uh, not available tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're loaded for bear heading to the uh, to the end of the year here. <laughs> Bolden says I will not hang up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We could probably talk about something. You go, oh, I'm, I'm done with this. You guys are done. I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested. Usually it doesn't get there. So, yeah, I, I, I got to learn more about how you did that Al Gore thing we did today. That was brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Uh, looking forward to more of that. And we can have a you know conscious goal of more support for the show because things like that can happen. I'm, how much fun is that to be able to do more of that? Right, I, I have to credit my grandkids for that one. Your grandkids, really? Yeah, they were yeah, supposed to be here this up, morning. Right? Yeah, so I, I got everything time. all done last night ahead of time. Uh, and then they ended up not coming over. So I had like mm -hmm. three hours of available time this morning. So yeah, I uh, got creative. So anyway, that's all I got. Okay. I don't see any other messages coming in. Um, so let, let's take a quick look at what we got going on tomorrow. Okay. So tomorrow is Wednesday. No Ty Bollinger, but. We got Dr. John F. Montalvo Jr. Yes. Okay. Now we might have an open hour. Yeah. Well, we'll have some if, stuff. If uh, Michael Bolden wants to join us. Carolyn Dean, my buddy, Dr. Carolyn Dean, coming back on after a number of years of absence, along with Jonathan E. Mord on the 21st. That is, I think, is it usually is the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year. And then we go on a little Christmas break. Uh, we'll have Encore Friday. I always debate on whether to do another um, Sunday conversation. That would be actually on, well, the day before Christmas. That would be a Christmas Eve conversation. We'll see. Uh, and then Monday and Tuesday, so Christmas and Boxing Day, we'll do an encore, and then we'll be back live Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to wrap up the calendar year. And Saturday will be uh, the AMA, the Zoom AMA, uh, for our patron support. So you guys can join in anytime between now and then and be with us live for the final, I guess, broadcast officially of the year. I don't know that we'll do, well, New Year's Eve is a Sunday, so we'll see what happens there. So... Anyway, your suggestions, your support, your critiques, all welcome here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you. Indeed. A little bit of poke root, anybody? You enjoyed Fido Laka today? Does that look like the Fido Laka right there? Did that, did that turn out good? I think there are berries. So yeah, yeah, that's not too far off. Yeah. yeah. Very realistic looking, isn't it? That one is definitely very it's realistic. It's kind of scary. Yeah. 
<laughs> if I saw that, uh, yeah. I, I probably would, uh, kind would of walk, hug it walk, walk the other way. Walk I think. the other yeah. way. Okay. Yeah. But it could help your throat. All right. All right. Well, thank y'all for being here. Um, thank you for, uh, Kristen for being on board, Dr. Fury as well. And, um, lots of upcoming events. Please, uh, plan to be at one or all of them. And we'll look forward to seeing you there. And God willing, less than 22 hours from now, we'll be back live on the air with you on the Robert Scott Bell show. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good day. 